following podcast may be explicit. One Joe Young presents Adventures from the Shed, a tabletop RPG podcast. You can find us online at adventuresfromtheshed.com. Welcome to the Adventures from the Shed 2016 Halloween special. Mickey, JJ, Kurt, Joe, and special guest Kevin jump right into our Trail of Cthulhu game from Pelgrane Press. Grab a seat and enjoy the podcast. Waves crash over your little ship as she fights through the heavy seas off the coast of New Jersey. It's nearly one in the morning, but none of you are going to get any sleep. Your heavy cargo of industrial machinery keeps you low in the water, and each wave sends water streaming over the deck and down into the hold. Captain Mulholland roars like a man possessed. Jones, get down to the engine room. Gant, secure the damn cargo. Frenchy, check the bloody lifeboat. Cookie, you're on the radio. The rest of you, on deck with me. Move! Aye, Captain. All right, everybody. What is your character going to do? Jones. I'm going to do as instructed of me. So you're headed down to the engine room. I am. And Gant, headed into the hold, the cargo. <coughs> Absolutely. And Frenchy. Out on the deck to find the lifeboat Check at the, the rear. Ball. And Cookie. Cookie's over, over at the, the radio. radio. Okay. Cookie, you reach the radio room and the radio goes dead. All you can pick up is static although it almost seems like there's a repeated pattern concealed in the hissing distortion. Kind of, kind of maybe an odd rhythm that you can't quite recall, but maybe you've heard before. <coughs> you all right, Kevin? <laughs> um, also, you notice the ship's compass starts spinning wildly. As you're checking the lifeboat, Frenchie, the screw on the ship starts to slow as if it's caught on something. And down in the cargo hold, uh, Gant, you get a static shock from some of, some of the machinery down there. All None of it's actually powered. It's just loose machinery moving around in the cargo hold. And you notice a few pieces of them are uh, of, of the machinery is stamped with the legend Marsh Refinery. Damn. Uh, and up on the deck, an unusual amount of seaweed, shells, mud, and other debris is thrown up by the waves. And the most fetid and vile stench rises up from the ocean. Lightning crashes overhead, and the wind howls, and as Frenchie reaches the lifeboat, you see something out of the corner of your eye. You're not sure what it is. What do you do? I want to go closer to see what it is. All right, Frenchie, as you go closer to see what it is, Cookie, in the radio room, you hear a noise behind you. Sweet, Marion, <laughs> and Joseph, what was that? When you turn around to look, there's nothing there. Gant, over near the lifeboats, you swear you heard something, and now there's just a big splotch of blood on the deck near the lifeboats, just starting to be washed away by the rain. Mama told me every day is like this. What the hell is going on? I'm out here getting shot. I need a new job. Gant needs a new job. And Jones, coming out of the uh, engine room, everything seems fine and top in uh, tip-top shape, and coming out of the engine room, you see something down the corridor going up the stairs. What do you do? Uh, I scream out, HALT! There's nothing. No, no response. Chase it down. Okay. You go to chase it down, and um, Cookie, you hear screams from below decks, and Gant is nowhere to be seen, and there's blood washing all over the deck. You have no idea where the captain is. I'm going to pick up the radio and yell, Mary! Mayday! Mayday! Anybody hear me? And there's no response, just that static, static 
on the radio. I fiddle with the knobs and try to look around to see if I see anything. And there is nothing. And that's where we're going to end this season. And a welcome to the Shed for Adventures from the Shed. You can find us online at adventuresfromtheshed.com, on iTunes, Facebook, Stitcher Radio, Google+, Bing. Yes, Kurt, you hear music. (laughs) We're going to go around the table and say hi, starting with... JJ here. Um, (coughs) We are going to be playing uh, some new game called uh, Trail of Cthulhu. Trail of Cthulhu today. Um... I'll be playing a gentleman by the name of uh, Don Persing. Uh, he has a nickname of Slim. He is going to be a police detective and be attempting to uh, unravel the mysteries of the multiple murders going on within ah. New York. And who's next? Hi, everyone. This is Mickey. I'll be playing Matilda Bly. She goes by the name of Tilly. Tilly is an archaeologist. She's in New York. She's got a short gig uh, providing a lecture. On 18th century American paintings. And who's up next? Looks like Kurt. It is. I'll be playing Michael O'Neill. He is the finest investigative journalist in the Northeast. Uh, Lives in Boston, but has uh, friends and contacts all the way from Portland, Maine, down to New York City. And he is traveling to New York with his very good friend, his old college roommate from Harvard. Uh, Dr. Wellington, and they are going to see the presentation uh, by Ms. Bly, the archaeologist. Dr. Wellington played by... Hi everybody, this is Kevin. I'm actually playing, of course, Dr. Wellington. He's a surgeon of sorts, actually more like a forensic uh, surgeon during this time. So we'll see what uh, Dr. Wellington's got in store for us. And then back to me, I'm Joe. I am, as uh, JJ mentioned, I'm running the game Trail of Cthulhu. We're doing it as our Halloween 2016 special episode. And this game is actually going to be the adventure called The Wreck from the Arkham Detective Tales. The Trail of Cthulhu by Pelgrane Press uh, uses the gumshoe system, so those who are familiar with that system might catch up on what we're doing easily. Others, just bear with us as we all learn the game while we're playing tonight. We are playing in New York City, and the setting is 1932 in New York, and we actually have some of the stuff from that period printed out. Who had that paper? But we have uh, Franklin Roosevelt just became president in in 1932 in a landslide. One of the things in pop culture at this time is the Buck Rogers radio show just debuted on the air this year. So radio is prevalent as a uh, medium of entertainment. Uh, anyone, anyway, go ahead. And the famed gangster Al Capone was just uh, convicted of income tax evasion. Yeah. Finally going behind bars. And much of the nation is coming off, uh, or is still to some degree in, the aftermath of the Great Depression. Yep. The banks yeah. collapsed in 1930. There's widespread unemployment, uh, although there's signs of hope on the horizon. And FDR is our president. Yeah. And um, there are uh, cars. So there are cars around. Uh, they're relatively common in the early 30s. Um, no, Je- no mobile phones, of course. No mobile phones. But uh, Jenny Craig has been born, so Jenny we will be beginning to lose weight soon. <laughs> yes, Jenny Craig was born in 1932, as was Johnny Cash, and um, Tarzan the Ape Man was a uh, release, a movie released in theaters in 1932 as well. And as um, as myself, I always think of the 30s and actually anything before the 70s is just black and white. So the world is black and white. Everyone, everything will be shades of gray, as it were. More than 50. 
And um, tuberculosis is widespread, and unfortunately, Doc, being in such close proximity to it all the time, has contracted it himself. <laughs> Kevin's been coughing tonight. Yes, so I've been coughing. And That's yes, good. our special guest Kevin is back with us this time. Unfortunately, it's probable that his character will die again <laughs> yeah. of tuberculosis. Yeah, so he might be a red shirt again. <laughs> it's very possible that we will all die. Yes, it is definitely possible. <laughs> uh, and what you all just heard and what we just played was the opening scene. It's, it was a little flashback of what was happening on the ship. Uh, that the, As the adventure begins, our characters are called in the very early hours of the morning. You're roused from your warm beds and called to the rain-drenched docks just about an hour ago. And this is by um, the New York Port Authority. And you arrive at the uh, at the docks, and what I'd like to hear from each of you at this time is, what do your characters look like? What are we looking at as this group of four investigators arrives at the dock to meet the representative of the Port Authority? So, uh, Don, um, also known as Slim, is anything but. Of um, course. He's... May have been slim at one time during the uh, during the initial war effort, but uh, has since uh, Found become donuts. slightly more portly. Um... He's about he's he's a little over six foot tall. Um, he's broad shoulder. He's you know he's more thick than slim, um, and uh, he has a horseshoe hairdo that he tries to comb over all, every morning. Um, nice. it, it 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 works a little bit, but uh, and he's got those uh, thick Coke bottle glasses. Okay. What about Tilly? Tilly is all of five foot nothing. Um, short, dark hair, brown eyes. Kind of a little bit of a, a spitfire. You can. She doesn't really um, spend very much time in any one place. But looking at her, you can tell that she's a bit flighty. And any sign of anything flighty. that would be permanent, she's out. Okay. So like Amelia Earhart kind, kind of kind of gal. Yeah. Uh, Michael is probably the most nondescript of the characters. He wears a moderately priced suit and button-up shirt. Uh, not particularly handsome. Not particularly ugly. Uh, dark hair. He's just a guy that you would probably see on the street and not really notice one way or the other. So he never wears the fedora with the piece of paper sticking in it? Like just a, says press. A good journalist. Exactly. You know, he would wear a fedora, but uh, I don't know that he would have his pad up in it. No? All right. And All the right. doc. And Dr. Wellington actually has an old childhood in- injury, so he walks around with a cane and uh, very nice, uh, nicely dressed man. Um, hangs out at all the, the fine social clubs, such as uh, the Manhattan Club. Uh, the universities such as NYU he um, has uh, close connections with people there and uh, I think he's you'll just have to wait and see the rest of them (laughs) (laughs) so you guys arrive at the dock and you're met by uh, a representative of the port authority we'll say that uh, Don knows him is Mike Zabuski he's a fat man and he's wearing a heavy oilskin rain jacket and he is a must. He has a mustache that you're sure would be impressively bushy if it weren't right now plastered down to his cheeks by the rain and wind. Hey, Mike, what's going on here? What, what, what's, what's the urgency? Well, Don, the um, Coast Guard spotted a ship uh, last night about uh, out of control, and uh, when the storm died down, a tug went out and brought the steamer in. Uh, it's called the Star of Mauritius. Um. According to the crewmen on the tug, they uh, they boarded him. Uh, they boarded the, the ship, and um, well, and he 
turns towards the, the ship just starting to come into view now with the tug. He crosses himself and he says, um, they found one man on the bridge, everyone else, no sign. And the, the, um, the Star of Mauritius, which is now under control of one of the uh, pilots from the New York Port Authority, is pushed into dock uh, by one of the tugs. There's a spotlight trained on it, and as it goes by, uh, where the spotlight hits, one of the overhangs, you see right under the overhang, this huge patch of blood on the side of the ship. I don't see that every day. And as the gangplank is lowered, <laughs> as the gangplank is lowered, Zabuski points towards the lit bridge of the steamer and says, uh, "It's you guys' turn." Yeah, let's not disturb any uh, evidence without training. And uh, I'll, I'll go up the gangplank. Okay. Come, come, don't dawdle. The four of us are there. Yeah. 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 All four arrive. You were called as a group because this is unusual. Tilly would be like, calm down, Donnie. Who actually Don't get your panties in a wad. Uh, between the police, the Coast Guard, and the Port Authority, oh, they okay. found uh, you guys were all in town and okay. gave you a call and okay. had you come out. All right. Well, definitely uh, try to look for clues. Okay, so large blood stains like the one you saw in the spotlight can be found all around the upper deck. Anywhere that's, that is covered where the rain isn't hitting it, you can find large blood stains. Um, anyone with evidence collection, and in this theme, everyone has it. It suggests that the spatters, uh, from the blood spatters, it suggests that the victims were cut with a large knife or blade and carried or dragged to the deck and thrown overboard. So the way the blood is spattered about and the, the way the trails are, evidence collection shows you that. Um... Does anybody have outdoorsmen or scuffling and want to spend a point for another clue? Scuffling? I'll spend a point. Okay, with the point spend of scuffling, you realize that there was a single assailant carrying at least three of the uh, missing bodies single-handed. Simultaneously? Yeah. Oh, wow. There was three that were thrown overboard? Well, that's what he found. Three? Okay. Now, the way it is right now, um, there's only one um, one person left on the ship, and we'll go right to the bridge in that case. Um, you reach the bridge of the ship, and there is one, uh, one member of the crew there lashed to the wheel with his face in a rictus grin of terror. Dude, what do you think happened to this guy? <laughs> if anybody has... Um, says medic. Is medic medic's an ability there, Doc? No, there's medicine as an medicine, academic medicine, ability. Sorry, medicine. Yeah, medicine. Yeah. If you want to do a one point spend I medicine. Would. I definitely would like to do that. The apparent cause of death is a heart attack. Oh, the, the man on the bridge is dead? Yes. Yeah, I didn't catch that. Lash to the no. wheel. So just to be clear, when we're spending these points, we can't ever get these you back, You don't right? get these back during this adventure, no. Okay. So you, Kevin, need to mark off one medical point. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was writing my notes. Is there I anything? Do I, as the archaeologist, can I look around and see if there's any engravings or carvings or anything that would give me a clue as to what went on in this room? In that, in the bridge itself, there's nothing else of note other than that that person, um, the crewman, lashed to the wheel. The uh, bindings look like they are done by an outside source. So it doesn't look like he lashed himself to the wheel. Pretty much, yeah. 
Is he marked or cut, or is he just tied there? Um, just tied there and died of a heart attack. In a in a terror, a look of terror on his face. Um, why they would have left whoever yeah. did this? Why they would have tied and left one crew member? So looking around on deck as well, the deck is encrusted with filth and slime. Um, if anybody wants to do a two-point spend of evidence collection or sense trouble, you can. I don't see that on the list. Sense trouble is bottom right under yeah. general abilities. I'll, I'll do one. So it's two points two spend points. of sense trouble. Okay. You spot the glint of gold amid the mud. It's a small, squat, and ugly golden talisman the size of a coin. Do I recognize it? No. It's a hey, look at this, Donnie. What is it? It looks like some sort of coin. Pick it up. Yeah, it, it's just. A, it looks like a small golden coin, but it's you can't really. It's not like you can see an imprint or anything okay, on it. It's all. Yeah. It's just a blank. Blank. Not uh, completely blank. You just can't make out anything on it. And okay. how big? I don't recognize like the time period or where yeah. it's from or anything. A regular like size, you know, yeah. quarter. A regular oh. coin size oh, of whatever size. size. Yeah. Is um, it possible for me to uh, put a piece of paper over it and draw on it and see if there's a uh, some kind of relief that I can make a big maybe cr- you know, clear up the picture yeah. a little bit? We could try that Not later um, okay. if, it, if it comes up. But now in the rain and everything, it's just it's just too nasty to try something Understood. like that. Um, and over near the lifeboat, you can see that at the lifeboat, a large hole has been punched out of the bottom of the lifeboat. Probably using a sledgehammer or something like that. It looks like a hole in the bottom of the lifeboat. So the, and there's the an de- opportunity there is no for debris a, in the lifeboat. No, it looks like it's punched right out of the bottom. Okay. Um, there's an opportunity for a one-point evidence collection spend here at the lifeboat. Um, I'll, I'll go ahead and do that. Okay. You notice uh, what looks like a fish scale caught on the edge of the hole. It's one hell of a fish. <laughs> it's one hell of a fish. And the um, next place to check, uh, I guess let's go downstairs. Um, well, hold on, before we do that. Let's what was the, the gold coin found? Again? The, the gold coin was found on deck amidst the uh, muck and sand and stuff that was washed over the, the, um, the deck of the boat. In the um, office... So the office area. Office is actually a a poorly used term for this room. It's just a nook where the ship's papers and logs are kept. Uh, Does anyone have bureaucracy or piloting? The doctor might have one in bureaucracy. I have uh, three in bureaucracy. Zero. Okay. So as um, you have that, uh, there's actually a little handout for this one. It might be a little tough to read, but I'll give it to you. Anyway, you find the ship's log. Right. Um... The log states that it arrived in Kingsport and gave the crew 24 hours of liberty in, at the port. Um, they made good time and loaded the cargo in good time. Uh, paid around 300 from Wilcox's account for the special. Not sure what that is yet. Uh, secured special hold before embarking crew. Departed Kingsport late. Um, vagabond attempted to stow away. Storm blowing up from the southeast. Heavy seas, lights. What was the uh, cargo? Uh, the special hold. So let's find out where this special hold might be. Sir. 
There's also parts. a locked drawer in the office. Does anyone have locksmith? Or lockpicking? I can't uh, remember what it is. Locksmith? Uh, I think that I do. Hang on. I have locksmith I as do. well. Okay, anyone who has locksmith can pick this one. So it's a freebie. Do you have it? I have it as well. Inside that drawer is a pistol. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, typical for unused, sure. yeah. fully, fully loaded, unused. I'll, I'll take so whatever happened here, they didn't even have t- enough time to grab their pistol to, to defend themselves. Yeah. And you can see, as part of the the paperwork in the office, the ship is registered as being owned by Captain Gary Mulholland and is currently hired by Providence-based company Atlas Industries. Atlas Industries. Does okay. that mean anything to any of us? At this time. I believe the answer is no. You will be able to research that once we're off the boat. Um, also, um, let me just look at anything else that's above decks before we go downstairs. That should be it. Downstairs. Um, go ahead. Did we mention that the, the incident occurred prior to the boat uh, coming ashore or coming uh, being docked? Yeah. Okay, yeah, the tug, tug, tug found it listing, or the Coast Guard, yeah, the Coast Guard found it listing found out it, in the ocean. Uh, listing pretty much out the ocean. Uh, actually going... Um, crazy. The boat itself was just um, unmanned, essentially. Unmanned. It, it was oh, yeah. They had a corpse lashed <laughs> to the wheel. There you go. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. She, got, she got the clues. Yes, I got it. So down... So be clear. Going on the stairs down, um, you see, all of you can see this, there are scratch marks on the paint of the stairs, and it looks almost like uh, as if somebody was trying to hold on and being pulled oh, my God. away. <laughs> scratch marks in the paint like someone was scrabbling at the walls or like, something dragged them away oh I'd my like god to, I'd like to investigate the claw marks how they look like fingernail claw marks or? they they look like regular human okay. hands oh my god made clear. this yeah. Tilly crosses herself and <laughs> yeah I'm being very skeptical get the heebie jeebies here can we tell were they being dragged like going down or up can we tell from looking at yeah. it up. up so they're being dragged upstairs Out. yeah Okay. Which goes in line with the them looking like they're being thrown overboard. Someone, the, uh, someone with blood. superhuman strength dragged three, three people, people once. A- as you're going down the stairs, and then was able to depart the ship itself as well. Yeah. Well, we don't know they depart the ship. That's, That's correct. Point. Keep a lookout, Doc. That's correct. Um, so as you go farther down into the the ship, there are weird noises, almost like the ship is is uh, groaning and creaking. As you're I want to make a note that I have my uh, my revolver at the ready. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I have the one I just took from upstairs as well. Why do you never have backup, Don? Oh, backup? I'll back you guys up way <laughs> back here. <laughs> No, um, I said, why you don't guys you first. <laughs> and while you're going farther down, all of the exposed pipes and other machinery of the boat, they drip with seawater and slime. I look I almost disturb- disturbingly like intestines of the ship are exposed oh, for everyone disgusting. to see. And bloodstains can be found almost everywhere below deck. No rain to wash them away. I'm going to hug my coat a I, little uh, closer. I pull yeah. a oh. handkerchief out of my pocket and I hand it to Tilly to uh, cover her nose. She doesn't have to smell the... Did we? Thanks, Don. Just want to be clear. Uh, yep. We didn't cover the number of personnel on the ship, the dock listing, or anything of that sort. That number is. Talk amongst yourselves for a moment. Well, we wouldn't have necess- We wouldn't know that unless we found you, it. You would from the office. You would have seen uh, the, the ship's roster, and yeah. it's part of research as well. But yeah. um, one, two. So I so saw before. At least, like, there's usually a list eight. of names. Eight. There are eight crew listed. On there's the boat. so there's one already accounted Including for. Including the captain. Including yes, the captain. Eight total. Okay. One already accounted for on the wheel. Three that you know were thrown overboard. So some we're missing spirit four. Spirit across some walls. 
So we're missing and four it, it, people. This vagabond uh, may have been able to get back on because it, it says it attempted to stow away. Does not say that it may have actually kicked. So there may have actually on. been nine on the ship. Yeah. So uh, we're looking you, for four to five people. You find a storeroom that just has food and some other equipment. Um, it just has a sturdy door. Nothing else special about the room. Uh, you've already made it through the office. There's also, um, let's see, two other places. Well, three other places you can check out. The engine room, the crew cabin, and cargo hold. Where do you want to head next? Cargo hold. Yeah. Okay. Let's we'll see what they got. The hold itself is packed with heavy industrial machinery, mostly pipes and pumps. It's all obviously used and old. And several sections are rusted through or coated with mud and barnacles. In other places, the gleam of bright metal shows where sections were recently sawn apart, like somebody pulled the pieces apart to get them into the boat. The machinery right now lies scattered across the hold, having apparently come loose from its restraints during the storm. Are there any uh, manifests attached to the... Machinery? There are not. So You're the going to boat's machine. Wait. So the uh, boat's machinery? What makes it move, or no, whatever they cargo. were bringing? You're oh, the their cargo. cargo. Okay. Yeah. So what kind of? What kind of? Can we make out what that is? So you're gonna investigate, examine, yes. examine, examine the stuff. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. Um, we can do like general evidence collection without spending points, right? Correct. In this case, if you examine it, you see that uh, as the doctor is examining all of this machinery you see kind of looking through some of the machinery you can see farther back uh, a few feet back in a really narrow opening you see another door another bulkhead door back there that was clearly would have been concealed by the machinery before it broke loose from its restraints hey slim yeah hey slim he's gonna send the fat guy in. right through there you see that uh, and, uh, and you can see that there is a gap, and you would have to crawl through if you were to do that with all this loose machinery banging around. Yeah, I'll do that. Probably I should do it since I'm smaller no. than you. No, no, no. We can't yeah, get but you, you stuck. can't. If, 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 if something were to happen, I don't want to see you get hurt. So I'll go for it. Not a little kid. Quit trying to protect me. <laughs> so okay. If you get stuck in there, buddy, no one's going to get you out of there, buddy. Uh, we, we got people. All right. And he okay. so you're just going to the fat guy yep. through. <laughs> <We> shuffle. <laughs> I'm not fat. Doc so much just thick. That's right. <laughs> Doc shuffles back with, with his cane. So you're able to crawl through, and just as you're reaching that door, a freak wave slaps the side of the star, the ship itself, and it sends the machinery sliding across the hold, and you are partially crushed under the machinery. You will take a D6 plus 2 of damage. I'll let you roll it. Good lord. Ah, max damage. Nice. So you take 8... Slim, are you okay? Good lord, that comes off his health? Yeah. No, this can you is, explain this it? is the only can spot. You explain it. Uh, well, this is the only spot in the adventure, and the only spot I've really seen where you just take damage from something. And it's specifically that you didn't secure the cargo first. Oh, if you had job. secured the cargo first, it wouldn't have happened. But it happened. So you crawl through. So he took eight damage. Yeah, there's a free. But he wave. has how much health? Oh, yeah, he has, so I think, listen- 15 health total. Okay. Still. And as so his health listeners. goes down. Right. Right. Uh, it will affect him when he hits zero, uh, and that's when you're hurt. He's not technically hurt yet, although it did hurt. It probably winded me pretty yeah. good. Yes, knocked the wind out of me. Slim, you um, okay? Yeah, yeah, it's uh. Mm. And you see, Don, as you reach the door, it is heavily scored, as if someone had tried to hack through the steel with an axe, but it remains secure. Okay, from the outside here, then. Yeah, and it, right. it is definitely locked. 
You um, can't open it, and there's still stuff in front of it. You pretty much have to clear the space in order to get. I'll into clear it. out the space around it, and uh, well, you're I, currently. I have my, everyone's going to have to chip in because you're currently crushed by the machinery. Yeah, oh, I can't push it back away. Well, everyone has to pitch in, but yep. we'll do that. Okay. Um, now, the way this is going to work is to get into this door will require a two-point locksmith spend, or you um, get the uh, the docks docks workers to come in and cut it open with a torch. Torch time. Does anybody have locks two points? I mean, I have two, but I hate spend. to I hate to use my only exactly. locksmith points now if we can get the dock workers to do it. I suggest yeah. we get the, the people to come in okay. and help us. So at that point, you will leave the boat for a short time while you wait for that. Is there any of the information you have so far that you want to investigate while you wait was for it, them to cut? Was like there still some other rooms we could check? There was still um, cruise quarters, the crew cabin, yeah. and uh, the, the engine room. Let's do can that while they're working on it. Can we spend some first aid to help Doc or to help Slip? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we can. Yeah, you definitely can. Okay. Hey, let me take a look at you, there, big guy. All right. So each point of first aid that you spend gives him two health back. And remember, it's spent and gone. Okay. Uh-huh. I will spend two points. Okay. So I will give I, four. For the listeners, I have ten first aid. All right. Does anyone have mechanical repair? We'll go to the engine room first. <laughs> no. No mechanical repair? Okay. Um, even though the ship is... Uh, currently off. It's not running. The steamer's not going. It doesn't look like there's anything broken in the room. So nothing else other than some blood spattered about here and there in the, the, the engine room. Nothing else there. The, um... Let's see, and the crew cabin. So when you reach the crew cabin, you see there are four cramped bunks lining the walls. So these are for the eight crew members. Right? Was it eight? Yes. Yeah, the number eight. Yep. Um, a personal effects are in lockers or strewn about the floor. Uh, with evidence collection, you can spot a diary in one of the lockers. The diary is from <coughs> Horace Quint, a young man who apparently, by the diary, it looks like he ran away from his home in Boston, <coughs> and it records his experiences. And I'll read a little bit of that to you in his last notes. The crew were dropped off at Kingport for a day. The ship then left the harbor and headed north before collecting us the following morning. As we were loading the ship at Kingsport. There was a man hiding in the lifeboat under a canvas cover. He attempted to fight back, but we threw him overboard at the pier after giving him a solid threshing. In the diary, Quint also notes that one of the other crew, Boris, was going to show me a good time at a good boarding house called Roberts in the Red Hook area once we get back into New York City. Oh, Roberts? Roberts Boarding House, yes. So that's part of Horace Quint's diary. Not sure why that's difficult for me to say, but there we are. All right. So now we'll say the time that you spent checking out the the uh, engine room and the um, crew cabin lets us get into uh, the sealed hold. So the dock workers finished cutting the, enough of the door and have moved the equipment. The seal you, you reach there, and the sealed hold contains yet more machinery, apparently identical to the junk in the main hold. However, when you enter, you feel a strange prickly sensation, almost like the, um, there's static electricity in the air. And there's an occasional spark of static off of some of the equipment in the room as well. Searching the room, you find a length of pipe sealed at both ends, which rattles when you shake it. Is there anything carved on the outside of the pipe? No. And, and when I say pipe, it's kind of a big pipe, like... Um, 
like it could hold uh, something about um, six, eight inches or so. It's how is it sealed on the pipe. ends? It just has uh, the twist ends on both ends of the pipe, but it's closed. There's something in it. What do we think? Why would we not the sta- What do we think is the static electricity? Do we do we have a chance to check on that or see what um, we think is causing the static there, electricity? There is no obvious uh, answer to that question. There's uh-huh. a static in the air. There's something odd in this room, which is why you guys are called out to these type of things. Wow, interesting. I would like I would like to remove this and put it <laughs> open it somewhere safer. Okay. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Remove it from the boat. Yeah. Okay. So where are you going to bring it? So now we're going to get off the boat and head towards police station. Where, where's the safest? Like, no, the police station it's occupied. With the, it's heavily occupied by a lot of people. I don't. If this thing was causing the static electricity in that room, and it's going to be some kind of electrical discharge. I don't want to open it. What if this is some kind of advanced battery we've never seen before? We could take it to the museum, try to examine it using the equipment there before we open it. All right. Yeah. yeah. What yeah. do you think, Doc? Yeah. I think that's a good idea. I'm also thinking the gold coin. The, I'm trying to find out what that correlation might be. We got a gold coin. The museum uh, would be a good place to examine the gold okay. coin as well. It's in my pocket. Okay. Okay. Absolutely. Is that a coin in your pocket? <laughs> We've got the fish scale as well. When you get to the yes. museum, you find a room where you can privately open up the pipe. Who is going to be the one to do it? Hold on one second. Yep. Uh, we did take the scale with us. Okay, just want to be clear. I've got it. All I right. would. I'd be like the most curious. I'd want to know what's in there. Okay. All right. Seeking my adventurer drive. When you open it, there is an object in there. It's about the size of a human infant and made from greenish stone that is oily to the touch. From certain angles, it looks like an elephant's head. From others, a calcified sea sponge. There are flecks of gold embedded in its rough surface, and it's unusually heavy. And as Tilly grabs it, there is a, um, a flash as she experiences a vision. <gasps> you find yourself in the body of a child in a medieval fishing village. The Mediterranean shimmers in the hot sun. Jagged black rocks, curiously twisted, surround the little cove. A wave has just washed up something covered in seaweed and grime, but through the filth you see something glitter with gold. Time is fluid in this dream, and suddenly you find yourself uh, several months have passed. The uh, artifact has been discovered by villagers and taken to the church. An epidemic of religious mania seizes the village, and many believe the apocalypse is at hand. Villagers have visions of strange vistas and wild oceans. Later, wild weather and high seas have cut the little village off from the rest of Spain. The hallucinations have grown grown worse, and many of the villagers are now insane. Bodies hang from the rafters, victims of suicide or murder. Strange symbols and shapes have been carved into the stone buildings, and certain alleyways in the town are now always in shadow, even in the noonday sun. The fishing boats rot the beach, yet the market stalls overflow with curiously bloated fish. You see villagers throwing uh, throwing strangely carved stones into the water. A priest in ornate robes and a golden tiara holds the artifact aloft, chanting words of power to it, and the vision ends as underwater shapes approach the shore. Oh, shit. And Tilly snaps back. (gasps) What was that? What was what? What was what? You guys didn't see that? See what? See what? You holding the thing? No. I I was in a village and... 
at first everything was fine, but then these religious fanatics just went insane. How long did that Next take thing we know, in real time? Moments. Like uh, she took a, a few seconds, moments looking seconds. at this thing, and maybe she looked like she was in a trance or something for About a few moments, and that's it. Seconds. I mutter yes. under my breath. Three women, seconds. Women in their yeah. flights of fancy. Okay. Yeah, priest, I'm not. It's not. I'm not flighty, Don. No. It seems so real. I I, I kind of touch, you know, kind of touch her arm or something to that effect. Okay. Feel her pulse or something. You know, mm-hmm. doing a dot thing, if you will. Like, yeah, she's her pulse is uh, uh, faster. Uh, so she, she must be experiencing something. I can't now, tell. at this point, Tilly, you need to make a stability test. Oh, so now you, here's where, this is our first one, Don't before you do that, you didn't roll yet. Here's where you need to decide. I, can't, I won't tell you the difficulty, but you need to decide if you're going to add any points to it from your stability before you roll. Yes. If you are successful, you will only lose the points you spend. If you are not successful, you lose whatever the loss actually is in the adventure. I'm going to s- spend one stability point okay. to try to bolster this All right. Roll. You're going to lose one stability regardless. Let's see if you lose any more. How many did you have, Mickey? Four. Plus one is five. You were successful. Woo-hoo! Just so you know, the difficulty was four, and the loss would have been three points. So you only lose one instead of three. Awesome. So that represents some type of shock to your system. Yes. You're definitely shaken by the experience. Would so it, you're still holding the I'm artifact. I'm still holding the point. artifact. At this point, I'm going to kind of take it over to some micro... Uh, what are those things called that make things bigger? Microscope. No. Magnifying this is 19, glass. Thank you, magnifying yeah. glass. Wow. Microscope is, is just more of those in succession. Well, in 1932, they wouldn't have had yeah. that in a museum. Yeah, they would have. Could have. It might have looked more like several magnifying glasses yeah. in a row than a microscope. So she's yeah. going to take it under the magnifying glass and try to put it under different lights to figure out and see there's see it in more detail, see if there's anything more to this artifact. There is nothing more than what you've seen so far. Okay, so she's yeah. going to try to then... You see her pick, take out a notebook and start sketching. She's going to start sketching the face of that priest that she saw in her vision and all that stuff. So um, I wonder if one of let, us let me let me throw a couple of things because I actually misspoke there a little. There is a spot for actually investigating the artifact. Um, let me look for any of the free stuff first. Anthropology. Does anyone have anthropology? Why doesn't the archaeologist have, have anthropology? anthropology? Uh, you, you just don't, I guess. I have archaeology, but yeah. not anthropology. Um, she has a lot of history. Let, let's throw it in there anyway because it's a free clue. Uh, Anthropology reveals that while the artifact is not the product of any known culture, it's reminiscent of islanders from the Pacific. Um, and also, these are all spends. Uh, astronomy or physics, a one-point spend is also possible. Um, history or occult is a three-point spend. Good golly. A, or a one... Oh, no, actually, that's a further one-point spend. So three points for history or occult. This is something that you guys just haven't seen before unless you really go after it. And then chemistry is also an option. Well, I don't what's think we're going to have enough to do any of those. No, what's the expenditure the for chemistry? Uh, actually, it's not a spend. Do you have chemistry? I have chemistry. Okay. It's primarily composed... So this would be looking under the microscope. The doctor steps in. It's primarily composed of some sort of soapstone, but includes several unidentifiable elements. It's apparently indestructible, or at least very, very hard. And it's how, how big are we talking? Uh, the size of an infant. Let's say it's maybe 9, 10 inches long. Let's say a newborn. 
more. Whatever. I think they're longer than that. But either um, way, we're going to say it's that. Is size. there any kind of test we could do to, to see the static electricity issue we were coming up with earlier? Um, it itself doesn't have any static electricity. Okay. It itself has no... No. It, ah, so we're experiencing um, no static electricity here however, than we were in the ship. When oh, you, oh. the doctors, step up to touch it and examine it, you also experience a vision. Ah, I was just going to ask. I wonder if one of us touches it if we'll get a different vision. Yeah, so, Doctor, you glimpse a dark cavern underground. Pipes run along the ceiling, and you can hear voices and gunshots echo down the tunnels. There are priests here, and one of them is holding this artifact in his hands. He waddles down the tunnel with some difficulty, his limbs having adapted themselves for swimming, not running. It's odd. He whispers words under his, under his breath to the artifact as he cradles it like a child. Men, strangers, emerge out of the darkness. They flash torches at him and aim their guns. They are invaders, trespassers, trespassers defiling this sacred place. One of them raises his gun to fire at the priest, and then something comes shrieking out of a side tunnel, a flowing mass of ghastly spears and pseudopods make a stability test. Decide if you're going to spend before you roll. Uh, I will spend uh, one as well. One point, okay. Actually, I'm going to spend two. Two points, okay. I rolled a seven. All right, so you made it, and you lose just the two points that you spent. Um, wow. He kind of shakes his head, uh, like to shake it off, like what he just saw. Yep. And uh, he describes to you guys pretty much what what he spent, uh, what he just indicated. There's some kind of priest who had this object, and. It's almost like some kind of sea creature, sea being of sorts. And he was fleeing, if I got that right? He was being attacked by invaders shooting guns at him. Right. Yeah, he was fleeing yep. away from the attackers. Yep. Okay. So, and, and so, why do I think somebody has stolen this, the, this artifact uh, from this creature and it maybe was coming back to exact revenge as well as to get its article, its artifact back. Can Tilly show... Um, By the way, this creature is definitely a sea being of sorts. It's what I saw. Now Dawn's just annoyed. He's going to stash the thing. Cause so Dawn's going to grab it? Everyone's like having these visions and that doesn't happen. So. Can Tilly show Doc the drawing of the priest? Do you recognize it when you see the... The, the what? The priest the that drawing she saw. That I was, that I was, was it a similar on? priest? She said, stated earlier she's going to draw uh, the people from that. her vision. Okay, so you're going to start to sketch that. Um, sketch you're still sketching that then when Don grabs it. And Don... Don, wait. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Don's already grabbing it, yeah. doing his thing. Don grabs it, and he experiences his own vision. But, by the way, um, does it appear... Does it, do we appear strained or something? Like, when this happens to us, like... You tell me, what does the doctor look like when he experiences that vision? Uh, he looks completely weirded out. I there mean, absolutely. But I, I think what I'm saying is, uh, it, is it drawing upon something within us that would make us feel like, I need to go sit down, you know, I can't move anymore, I'm kind of completely debilitated. No. Or stability. No. Okay, so you're not no. debilitated in any sense. In game mechanics, you suffer no ill effects. If this gradually builds up where a mechanic will so, kick in. So in essence... But for now, you just experience that. So in essence, I say, sure, Don, touch it. Maybe you'll see something. 
<laughs> so, Don, you find yourself in what feels like the body uh, and looks like the body of a medieval monk in a monastery scriptorium in Spain. Uh, based on what Tilly described, it might be about a hundred years after her vision in Spain. You have the artifact swallowed in a blanket, and whenever anyone passes by, you hastily cover the twisted icon. You reach out and caress the artifact, and it's though you're suddenly plunged into icy waters and darkness boils up all around you as strange memories pour from the artifact into your mind. Don himself feels sickened, as if something terrible has just brushed past his mind. And as the vision fades, the monk begins to write a description of the artifact showed him, of what the artifact showed him, Aya Cthulhu. And you snap back and make a stability check. So wait, you're saying I had a vision inside my vision? You were sickened by the vision you saw and had a vision inside of the vision, yes. Wow. You had what is Cthulhu that? Four, Inception. Inception. Four walls? Now that's remember, four walls right <laughs> here. Do you have a spend? Uh, I will spend two. Okay. Let's see what you get. That gives me a seven. Okay, so you are successful. You just lose the two. How much would he have lost if he hadn't spent three? And what was the the win? Oh, that's right. What do you have to? He had to to get a four. So you didn't need to spend any. Well, he didn't, but you don't know that until after. Exactly. All right. You take. I don't even know what you guys are talking about. He, you know, throws it back on the table. So when is O'Neill stepping up to the plate? I feel a little (laughs) left out here. You know. As a journalist, I guess I've got to take my chance as well. Absolutely. Yeah? Okay, so as... I have a feeling I'm going to roll a one, but that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> as Michael O'Neill grabs, or, or touches, the artifact, your vision is substantially shorter, but it is of tremendous basalt cities, of sky-flung towers, of knighted labyrinths, of strangely shaped stones draped with weeds and vile growths, and... Something moving. Make a stability check. I'll add one. Okay. What you get? And roll a two. <gasps> That's three, which fails. You will lose three stability from that. Plus the one I used, or total? Yes. You also lose the one so that you used. So four. four total? Yeah. Well, that blows. Yeah. That vision didn't seem that terrifying for three. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, you just weak a fortitude, that's all. Just as a, a, a slight spoiler, because everybody gets a vision only once, the reason uh, maybe it was more terrifying to you is you just shared the dreams of Cthulhu himself. So that would be mo- why it was more terrifying, I guess. Mm. Yeah. Now you have I don't the know artifact. Who, we don't know who Cthulhu is at no, this point, right? No, you don't. Okay. Uh, you have the artifact. You have some other clues. What are you looking into next? Um, I want to. Uh, well, we're at, we're here at the museum, so let's see if we can find a uh, somebody who can identify this fish scale. Like what yeah, creature the, did uh, it come from? Also, have and, the gold um, coin. The gold coin. So, is there anyone um, that's uh, an anthropologist that could identify the make or what era this coin the came make? from? The oh. make and model. <laughs> the make and model of the coin. Oh, what, 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 what where it was minted? Why it was minted? For what purpose? Is there a there. library at the museum at all? or At least nearby, yeah. If not in the museum, it's probably down the next the street. door down in the square, yeah. Because um, at some point I'm going to want to search and see if I can find something in a history book or in our... 
okay. anthropology book about this artifact. Nobody can uh, uh, give you a time period or anything where the coin comes from, but it is gold, and it's worth whatever its weight in gold is. It doesn't have any distinguishable markings that allow anyone to link it to a time period or a dynasty or an empire or any of that, thing, yeah. any government of any type. Hmm. It seems like given what we had to spend to find the gold coin, it should be of some significance. There have been gold flecks in, mixed in with the slime and the seaweed that we have found. But maybe it'll serve a purpose later. Let's Hold on mine. to it. Yeah. For one more day. Hold on for one more day. As far as the artifact goes, um, if you aren't spending anything else, you find out nothing else about the artifact. You would have to spend a history or a cult to find out more. I have neither of those to spend. It's not high enough to spend it. And that's fine. So that just means you can't draw on enough resources to actually give you that information. So you still have, let me just throw out the clues that are worth following. I'm not sure how much everyone wrote down, but the Atlas Industries is worth following. The Boarding House is worth following. Um, Asking anybody else about what happened, for example, it was mentioned that the Coast Guard was there and a tugboat crew were both there on the boat, the ship, before you guys. As a journalist, would you go back and do that? Yeah, Absolutely. I would. I mean, I had marked down to check out the boarding house for sure, and also Atlas Industries. I was actually going to uh, look into Gary Maholland. Okay. So checking out. Let's start with that one. Check out the crew of the more uh, of the Star of Mauritius. We'll say that um, down at the police station, you're able to get some information, but you will you will need to use your. Actually, I guess it would either be a point of cop talk or streetwise, and I'll give you all of the information on them. A point of streetwise. Okay. Well, street, the only thing I would say there, streetwise is for dealing with generally with kind of criminals or shady characters. Mm-hmm. So, cop you, talk. I'd save streetwise if you don't have much of it and use okay. cop talk, but if you have a lot of streetwise, then either yeah. one is fine. And oh. everybody actually gets a point of cop talk if you didn't already have it for this setting that we're playing in. So everyone does have that, and that might be uh, worthwhile to spend there. Yeah, I'll, I'll use my cop talk to yeah. uh, cool. talk to my buddies. A little so metagaming there. With that, you um, you dig up some official records, and you can get this, we'll say, through between the Port Authority and uh, the police station. Captain Gary Mulholland, age 51, resident of Baltimore. He's the owner and operator of the Star. He purchased the ship in the South Pacific in 1919 and changed the registry from Sing- Singapore, Singapore gosh, to Baltimore in 1926. And uh, when you're asking around the docks, uh, the Port Authority specifically, you get the uh, rumor that Mulholland was a whiskey smuggler during Prohibition and has ties to organized crime. Do we know which family? Uh, no. And it's irrelevant to the story. Okay. Um, also on the boat, Paul Jones. You were Jones in, yep. in the, the previous thing. He was the ship's engineer, formerly U.S. Navy, dishonorably discharged for striking a superior officer. Michael Gant, age 40, resident of New York. He's a Polish sailor. Nothing else. I guess when you're a Polish sailor, nothing <laughs> else needs to be said. That's awful. Boris. No age, no address. Um... Who has languages? The doc's got Someone, Latin. Someone's got... But I think someone had Language. languages, too. I, I have languages, too. too. So I'm just going to say that you also have uh, a smattering of Russian, perhaps. Um, and in uh, hearing about um, 
uh, at the docks. There's also uh, rumors and, and people saying that Boris stayed at Robert's boarding house when he was in New York. So the other Russians which at we, the docks. Yeah, which we kind of know. Yep. Frenchie, Elaine Frenchie Dane, age 30s, French, no details. Cookie Hayes, age 50, resident of Baltimore, an old associate of Mulholland, ran in the same circles. Horace Quint, age 22, resident of Boston. He's being sought by his family in in Boston. He ran away to sea at age 17. And lastly, Albert Spitzer, age 21, resident of New York, Polish sailor. Also, just Polish sailor. (laughs) Nice. And it was Cookie Hayes who was the one who was lashed to the wheel. The only person who seemed to have survived whatever happened to the boat to die of a heart attack after. And who... Which who was it that was uh, the family was seeking him? Horace Quint, Horace the one Quint. who had the diary. diary. Got okay. the diary. Um, if we've perused a diary, I'd like to send a diary to the family with the post. Okay. Yep. We could do that. Well, definitely. and we and we've established another South Pacific connection. Yes. Because the ship was originally purchased in the South Pacific, and we know something that the artifact seems to be related to a South Pacific. Definitely culture. has its origins there. Interesting. And uh, so that's the information you gather looking up the captain and the other crew of the Star of Mauritius. Where do we want to investigate next? Do you guys um, want to go to Atlas or do you want to go to the boarding house? Uh, while I'm still investigating this, yep. I want to uh, look into the ledgers yep. a little bit more dip- deep- deeply because uh, um, they paid 300 from the Wilcox account okay. for the special. Okay. I'm assuming since this was in the... This artifact was in the special hold that this is the special so the, the captain paid 300 from the Wilcox huh? the Wilcox paid him 300 yeah, yeah. he yeah. was paid by Wilcox, yeah, he was paid by Wilcox. Um, as you are there looking these things up it kind of links to what Tilly wanted to check next you find out that Mr. Wilcox um, I gotta look up his full last name here uh, Henry Henry Wilcox uh, is the owner of Atlas Industries okay okay so do you want to but contact Atlas Industries? Atlas Industries also owns the boat, doesn't it? They, they hired the boat. Yeah, yeah they, they hired, hired the boat. They chartered it for the, the mission it was on yeah. at the time. To get the special item, yeah. basically. So the boat was carrying the item at Henry Wilcox, also known as Atlas Industries Request. Yep. Yes. Got that. All right. Uh, so you want to check out Atlas Industries? Yes. Sure. yes, absolutely. Okay. Um, where are you keeping the artifact while you go about your business? Yeah, that's a big good question, museum? guys. Um, I have a knapsack that I carry. No, knowing what it did to you guys, you would just leave it? No, you wouldn't no. want to touch it. Yeah, behind a glass case. It's locked. I'm not going to leave it out on somebody's desk. We need to there make will, sure that nobody knows where this people. item is. Uh, the museum's crawling with curious people. I was going to say, I think it needs to be in an area where no one uh, would have easy access to it. Why would we not sure. keep it with us? Yeah, I'm going to keep my knapsack. All okay. right. You carry it then. Yeah. As long as we're not touching it, it doesn't seem to be having an effect on us, right? It's For only the most part. I mean, you still get that feeling around it that something ain't right. There's one other problem, though. If the others was carrying this this item, they also were attacked by something. We think, obviously, this creature that I, we all saw, few of us saw visions of. If we're walking around with this area, this actual artifact, we're a target. Ergo, yeah, we're on land. at the museum. Say again? We're on land. Every single one of these visions had to deal with the sea of some sort. Do you really want to take that chance, Lynn? 
Yeah. Okay. Uh, you're right. You would take that chance. I'm not good at running. You know this dumb, this bum leg I got? It's not going to work for me. I'm also older than you, Slim. So, I can't run that fast. I don't want to be around when this thing comes back. You people and your flights are fancy. Really? But if we leave it at the museum, then people who have no idea what it is, they may be attacked or may create danger there. That's right. That's right. I didn't say the museum. I said a place of some sort of security. I don't know where what would be a great place, but I figured, like, let's brainstorm. Oh, I'll leave it at okay. the precinct. Precinct? Evidence yeah. lockup? Put, put it in evidence lockup. You trust that? Yeah. It's the only options we have, unless you have somewhere else. Why not on the Doc? boat? Why not put it back on the boat? No, because that's going to be crawling with the Coast Guard. I doubt this thing will come back probably where there were a lot of people, because it probably doesn't want to be seen in just the way it, it did its attack and then left. I've commissioned the uh, the Coast Guard to look for the bladed weapon that struck down the um, other sailors. So they, they, they are combing that boat like <laughs> no one's business. Bless and that him. tuberculosis Bless got you oh, good. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> it's <Lord. Cthulhu. laughs> I'm getting sick from touching that damn thing. <laughs> but no, say again, Don, I'm sorry. I had a, a, a sneezing spit there. He's, he's got the Coast Guard looking... All over the boat for the yeah. weapon. Oh, the, the blade. The blade. Oh, the yeah, the knife. I know what you're talking about. So, All right, so, just so you me? know, the Coast Guard is um, unwilling to go below decks on the boat. This is your jurisdiction now. They want no part of it. Uh. So, are we leaving it at the precinct, or are we taking it with us? Evidence lockup. All right. All right. Since All right. Uh, Doc here is a, a little little afraid here. <laughs> So I, I was saying Atlas, but I just want to make clear we do have two other uh, two options right now: checking out Atlas Industries or checking out crews of the other vessels, the tugboat or the Coast Guard, or the boarding house. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yes, the boarding house as well. Yeah, Ooh, so yeah. two others. Yeah. Do you guys want to go to Atlas? Let's do Atlas first. Okay. Do the Atlas first. So are we before we go? Are we at the museum still right now? Right now, you would be probably leaving the police precinct. We'd be leaving the police precinct. precinct. Sorry. Um, at some point, we should have checked out. Or we should try to check out the fish scale as well and see if... Exactly. Um, that, was, that, that was kind of a thing. I mentioned it in the thing. He said there was nothing yeah, there. No. There's no... Um, they can't tie it to any species or anything like that. So, so there's nothing distinct? Nothing known. Right. Okay. It's um, kind of an unknown... I would put uh, the artifact back in that uh, copper pipe it was in. in. Pipe. They just say pipe. So okay. it, we'll say copper. Just to be clear, yeah. there was no other uh, scale or any marine life that we could... I mean, this obviously looked unique. The uh, yeah, the that, fish scale idea. Yeah, the, the fish so scale just itself to be clear. was very specific. Okay, yes. and All it right. was in one spot. And how big maybe was the fish scale? Can we say? Uh, let's just say it was a, an inch or so, maybe not not huge, not tiny. Okay. Big enough to be some from a large fish. Okay. Yeah. All right. I mean, given you guys' flights of fancy, you probably think it's gold coins from Atlantis or something. You don't know that, Slim. Slim. <laughs> How many things do you touch and then have strange visions about? Everything I touch can be explained in some way. <sighs> you okay. would think that way. Well, we want to explain. All right, guys, let's, let's get going. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to head over to check out the offices of Atlas Industries in New York. Before we do that, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. Bye, everyone. Bye for now. Bye, bye. Here are some gaming notes for you. 
Kurt and Joe created the characters ahead of time using Pelgrane's online character manager and creator called Blackbook. Kurt wrote a bunch of great history and connections for each character, and you can hear some of that come to light as our players bring life into these characters. Now, back to the episode. Hi, welcome back to Adventures from the Shed. We're continuing our Trail of Cthulhu uh, game here for our Halloween 2016 special with... JJ here. Are you playing uh, Don Slim Persing? Hi everyone, this is Mickey, I play Tilly Bly. And next we'll have Kevin. Hi everybody, this is Kevin, I'll be playing uh, our Doc Wellington. And? Hey, this is Kirk, I am playing the investigative journalist Michael O'Neill. And I am (coughs) I am the keeper for this Trail of Cthulhu session. We're getting right back into our game, where our characters were trying to... uh, Contact Atlas Industries, and just as a note for Kevin, the top of the microphone pack has a mute button you can tap if you want to hack your lungs out in thank, between. Thank You're welcome. forgot about that whole mute yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, tuberculosis <laughs> plays into the character. Yes. It does. I'm still playing my He's character. He's method acting. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I believe it, it was our uh, police detective, Don, who has bureaucracy, and as part of looking into Atlas Industries, he found it is a small, privately owned company belonging to the Wilcox family of Providence, Rhode Island, and they have an office in New York. If anybody wants to do a two-point spend of bureaucracy or credit rating, there is more information about the company you can get before you start. Credit rating. Don't have I don't rating. have any it, of that. It's worth spending the credit rating here because there are very few other chances to do it and everybody has a decent credit rating in the game. Not the archaeologist. Well, you have three, right? No, zero. Oh, you should, or you have, should have three. You, you have three. Has three. It's you blank. Three. That's a mistake. Okay. That's that a mistake. Be, yeah. so everyone credit has rating it. is your general level of yeah. wealth and we all have at least three. Yeah, okay. you, you have either three or I'll, four I'll, and I'll I think mine. the archaeologist had three and everyone else had four. Oh, okay. Yeah. But yeah, so we'll spend that. And as part of that, you find... You spent it? I spent it. Okay. You learn that the company also has a private island off the coast of New York that they purchased in 1930. Oh. And now anybody could spend a one-point library use or art history, if they like, for any more information. Art history and what now? Either library library use or art history for another bit of info. I'll spend one library use. Okay. You find a curious newspaper clipping from 1929. The former owner of Atlas Industries, Jeremiah Wilcox, (coughs) died and left the company to his nephew, Henry Wilcox. Young Henry was a student of art and notorious figure in the Providence art scene, known for his bizarre and quite outré carvings and sculptures. Many worried that putting such a dreamer in charge of the engineering company would lead to bankruptcy and disaster, but Henry apparently rose to the challenge and the company has survived the turmoil of the last few years. Wilcox purchased an estate on Fire Island and built a summer house there. <laughs> Sorry. That's the name of it, Fire Island, yes. So, and it's a real island. It is, but York. it's famous for something else. It is, yeah. And that's actually something that could happen, not in this adventure, but as part of this, this uh, setting. Now the private... And one more op- uh, one more opportunity for art history spend. Actually, you know what? Because of our, the connection we made, I'm just going to let this one happen. Um, Tilly, uh, as looking up this stuff, learns that one of Henry Wilcox's bas-reliefs is on show at an avant-garde gallery in Greenwich, the one that you are part of. Hey! Your contact here. It depicts a strange city of many angled buildings and impossible impossible tombs and some uh, hold on and that's it so they at the gallery is another place that you could go to check out his artwork 
I think like, you, sounds like my vision. I think you said something about there was a private island that belonged yep. to the, uh, the company Fire Island. With the company, the company Atlas Industries bought the island, and Fire Henry island. Wilcox bought a, a mansion on the island. Okay, so the the island that was purchased in 1930 is Fire Island. That's what yes. I was asking. Yes, there we go. Okay, all right. that was not totally. Clear. They're all. Yeah, they're that all that's clear. because they're part of separate clues. Technically, you guys are supposed to put Figured those together, yeah, yeah. but yes. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what As I was thinking. As we just did. As we just Chuck, did. God, we're word. good investigators. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, you have learned a little of the information about Atlas Industries. You also have now learned about he has a piece of art in the gallery. And um, you can go to the Atlas Industries office, the art gallery, the boarding house... Whatever you'd like to do next. I'd love to go to the boarding house. The boarding house, house, yeah. Yeah, I think we should close that loop. Find out what's up with Boris and uh, Horus. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Boris and Horus? Horus. That was his name. Horus Horus Quinn, right? Boris and Horus. Boris was Uh, at the boarding house, and he was going to show a good time for for Horus. Says you. Or to Horus. We don't know. Oh, yeah. (laughs) On Fire Island. Yes. <laughs> I mean, we don't. Uh, what, what kind of boarding house? For sure. <laughs> <laughs> what okay. part of t- do we know where this is? Is it nearby? It's near the waterfront. Uh, <laughs> they actually tell you it's on Court Street in the Red Hook District. Mm-hmm. So the boarding house is a flop house near the waterfront on Court Street in the Red Hook District. Rooms can be rented for twenty cents a night or by the hour. My goodness! Yeah, you gotta love that. Uh huh. So you arrive, and the owner is a toothless old hag standing at the uh, front desk. Of course she is. <laughs> yes. Sounds like it might be time to use some flattery points. <laughs> I'll tell you, the only option they give here is intimidation, one point spend. That's hilarious. <laughs> wow. I've got flattery. Or she will not be. She will not be flattered. Yeah. <laughs> no, she's like, no way. Yeah. No way you'd be interested in me, right? Toothless old hag. <laughs> What do you want? Uh, you need a room. You know Boris? Why do you sound like a Muppet? Why not? Do you know Boris? Muppets are usually toothless. No, they're right. Yeah. That's true. Uh, <coughs> she, she will only offer you a room and no other information. Unless somebody wants to do a one-point intimidation spend. I don't have any well, intimidation. We, we have plenty of money. We can okay. spend 20 cents for a room. or. Okay. Actually, we should just rent one by the hour, and then that would get us upstairs. And so then let's use it as a, um, a two-point credit rating. Two points? Two points. Wow. To get I'm a saying room? it because there's really no other spots in here to use it, so we're just going to use up a resource I don't, I don't for kids. So. Okay. 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 Doc. Why don't you? Put the money down. You just spent two, and you had three. Okay. Doc, put the money on the, on the table. Okay. All 20 cents. Not sure. Um. So she... Points upstairs, jabbering something and um, dropping four golden coins on the table. Uh, the coins are solid gold, but so worn that it's impossible to tell where they came from. Do they match the coins that are in your pocket, Slim? Uh, they do kind of look like that. Oh, uh, can we look closely so at them? And to Boris is kinda... here, so it kind of makes sense that he would have a coin. So essentially, she's place. mumbling that, yeah, they were upstairs. This is what they paid with. You can go check the place out. Huh, she knows he's a cop. I mean, that part's obvious. Yeah. Let's go check it out then. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, all right. So the rooms are filthy and crammed with rotting furniture. You pass a couple on your way. Uh, there's pla- plaster dust and water stains on everything. 
and uh, as you uh, approach the door that she points to, or that she told you to go to, um, it is closed and locked. Kick it down, Slim. Stick a coin or in the slot to open the <laughs> door. Yeah. Um, yeah, he picks it, basically. Uh, who has lockpick? Locksmith, sorry. With <coughs> lock, uh, anyone with locksmith can just pick it. No spend, yeah, no I, spend I, but I, you I, can I pick can the lock. Okay. Okay. So you pick the lock, and can inside... Go, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, if there's anything we hear, mm-hmm. then obviously we would take that into account. Yeah, Past you, you don't door. hear anything on the other side. That's of all. The I, door, that's right? all I wanted to say. Okay. Um, so inside, you you see that um, uh, notable features of the room. Um, it's a small room. There's a bath. It's filled to the brim with what is clearly uh, ocean water, and also wrapped in an oil cloth. Uh, to the side is a large handful of the same gold coins. A curious chunk of soapstone inscribed with some strange runes, um, and the rest of the room itself is uh, just kind of downtrodden and nasty. And there is uh, something or someone standing in the corner. Oi, you there. And when the thing turns to you, hey, give me a second here, I had the wrong sheet in front of me. Oh. Come on, gatekeeper. Yeah, I'm sorry. <coughs> just, just keeper. Oh. Keeper, I hardly So you're remember. not the key master? No. <laughs> oh, gosh. He's it's the on one keeper. of these. That's He's a the gatekeeper. He had a better description than the Does he get remember. to go, ah? <laughs> so our initial... <laughs> so this thing is human. Uh, looks human, at least. It's dressed in foul-smelling and damp clothing. Its skin is puffy and bloated, and looks like it's beginning to rot. It like a fish out of water. It lunges towards you. Ah! What do you do? Pull my pistol and shoot. Run away. Okay. Run. So we're going to start with you with a um, uh, weapons roll, firearms roll. So you're going to roll and decide if you're going to add anything to it. Remember, it has a hit threshold. So you have a number to hit. And I'll just tell you, for sake of ease, his number is a three. I think yours is probably also a three. I think she has a four. You might want to hit this thing. Yeah. Um, I will add three. Okay. So you're definitely going to hit. Yep. Why would because you, you can't add roll, three? Because you can't roll a one and I miss. rolled a one. <laughs> yeah, you can't, you can't miss. So it's going to hit. Um, and now you roll your damage. And you're going to be at point blank with a pistol. So I believe that is... We have our cheat sheet here. Um, a pistol is a zero modifier. At point blank, though, you'll be able to add, add two. damage. Yes. So you will roll and add... Why would you? Uh, six. So you can see that you shoot the thing point blank, and it barely does the damage that you would expect a bullet to do, because you know what bullets do. Yeah. Um, and it lunges at you and does a scuffling roll at you, and I have a six to hit you. That will hit your threshold, and it will do three points of damage to you. What is everyone else doing? Try to back away into the hallway. Trying to scurry away with my uh, limp leg. <laughs> and just just as Doc, you're trying to scurry away, you hear um, the the voice of Gant in your head right before this thing speaks in a gurgling voice saying, Just give it back. Oh, and it reaches towards the backpack. Crap. You said backpack. Something. You we left it, it at the it's in a police precinct. Crap. Well, give it back anyway. Okay. It wants it back. 
did it look like I was the only one who may have heard that as I'm looking at my other... Well, you heard thing. it in your head before everyone else heard it out loud. Oh, oh, oh. So a moment before everyone else heard it, you heard it in your head. Can I try to grab the soapstone while the thing is distracted with slime? You sure can. You can just do it, yes. Yeah, so, okay, so I wanted to try to grab the rune, the, the soapstone with the runes on it. Yep. And they actually have, for our reference here in the Crack room, they have the this little drawing of it. And it's a hand holding it, so it's about the size of an elongated baseball or something like that. Um, it's not that big. It Churchill it cigar. It's a loaf of bread from uh, the Outback. It's a small loaf of bread, <laughs> yes. <laughs> when I, when uh, I grab Outback? it, do I, does anything happen? No. Interesting. No, no, no vision or anything like that that the artifact gave. Um, right, I want to plant a boot to his chest and fire again. Okay. At this time, like, with the, at his head. So you can make another roll. What is everyone else doing? Is there anything around me that I can pick up and try to whack it? Um, yeah, uh, pieces of furniture and stuff you can try and pick up and hit it with. I, I didn't use any fire this time, but I did roll a three. Okay, so you hit. And then roll that damage. Four. Four, okay. Four total with the modifier? Yep, with the plus two. Okay, and it just kind of pushes you aside and goes to walk out the door, seeing that you do not have the artifact with you. It just wants to get past you good riddance. I push a chair and kind of like try to shove it down the hallway. Uh, anyone else doing anything? I'm no. going to uh, clap manacles on it. Okay. On his wrist. You're going to try to arrest it? You could You could try. Yeah. This thing um, isn't even bleeding from where you shot it. It yeah, just but looks if, like if pieces it of it are falling hurt, off. You can still get trapped. Okay. Um, as you are going to grab it, I need you to make a stability check. Just let it go, Don. <clears throat> Does this look like the creature from the Black Lagoon? or what No, it? it looks like it's a, somebody who spent too much time in the water, dead, and is now It's like back. a zombie. Five. Is, yes, is it is actually a zombie. Okay. Five. You rolled a five. I did. Okay. Um, so you lose one stability. Really? Yes. When you were successful. When he touches, when he touches it. Yeah. yeah. It's just extra freaky. Yeah, absolutely. And this <laughs> is tied to the mythos, so you still lose no matter what. But I, how can, much you lose matters. Can I just look in the bath, bathtub to see if there's anything in the water? There isn't. Just water. It's just uh, salt water. Um, can we do a general evidence collection in the room to see if there's anything we missed? Once you've dealt with the zombie, yeah. yes. <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> it's going to kill you. Oh, sorry. <laughs> well, it was trying to leave. Well, right? it is trying to leave, but he's he, not he's letting not Let letting it go, leave. Slim. We're not going to take it. I, I, I cracked it. Just so you well, know, give Doc me a, like, yeah, yeah. Doc's already tried his best to le- get out of there. Let's do an athletics check because that is going to require doing something to stop it. All right. Uh, it will still be a that threshold of three. It's still to hit him, it'll be a three. <coughs> Mute it. Roll a six. Okay. So you get manacles on it, but it's just continuing to walk. Well, I was going to do one on this and then no. like one on a. Uh, like the railing, because we came upstairs. I assume there's a railing there. There's stuff there, sure. Yeah, so okay. it was boop, and then one under a railing. Okay. Kind of lock it in place. Probably going to snap that doggone manacle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, once, you, once you do that, it just keeps walking as it's going out, and the hand that is at the stairway just gets ripped off, and it keeps walking down the stairs. Uh. And there's no blood, just some... Like little black globules just fall out onto the ground. Like I-core? Yeah. Not even sticky or, or drippy, just like solid chunks of stuff oh, that's fall disgusting. out of it. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. All right, so now... It might be a good idea to, ch- to try and finish it off. 
With what? Yeah. I'm going to start. Because you've done seven out of eight points, just yeah. to give you a number so there. It, it's in... Because you rolled high twice. It's in a hallway, like, yep. going down the stairs. It's fish in a barrel. Okay. So you're going to shoot one more time? Yep. Let's do it. Back of his head. Okay. Let's hope a little kid doesn't walk out. Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. Three on the dice. That hits. And, and damage. roll at least a two. I rolled a one. Uh, with the plus two. plus two. Yeah, okay. We'll, we'll do three. that. You can get it behind it point blank. So you hit it, and this just nastiness comes out of it, and you've kind of left a pretty nasty mess there. Um, I need everybody, due to this being something you have never experienced before, everyone will make a stability check. Tell me uh, you again because of the nastiness of it. Um, Make a stability check and tell me if you're spending before you do it. I'm not. Okay. Which is... Consistent as to why I'm nice. Less. You got spend, three. I'm gonna spend one. Okay. Plus three. Okay. Everybody, remember the numbers you have, because I'm gonna give you a the, what you have to do afterwards. Go okay. Did you, did you roll? Yeah. All right. Okay. So anyone who had a five or better loses one. Anyone who did not reach five loses four stability. Wow. Plus, plus the one that we spent? Or yes. whatever we spent? You don't get a spend back. So I lost five, so I'm down to one stability. Oh dear, you're not very stable. You, you are pretty shaken right now, just on the verge of that, that step that if we want to take a look quickly, you'll notice uh, on our quick sheet, our cheat sheet here, on the top of the third column, you're shaken when stability is between zero and five. You get the same penalties as for being hurt. Zero and negative five. Yeah. It's, yeah exactly. Does anyone have psychoanalysis? I don't think we do. I thought the doctor ended up with some. Psychoanalysis? psychoanalysis. It would be on the... L- oh, right. Uh, under general abilities. Right. Do you have any on the right? Maybe. Psychoanalyst? Yeah. Yes, he has five. Okay. Because that's the only way I think that we can get stability back. Or following your drive. Oh, right. All right. So you keep that in mind, too. So the doctor can never go, there, there, it's okay. Basically, you can be a little mini yeah. therapist. Exactly. Absolutely. So if, Portable, I, get, if I get negative, therapist. I might need you to help calm yeah. me down. It starts from, stability starts at what number? Everyone started at we 10. We started at 10. All right, just want to be clear. When we made the characters, we gave everyone 10 stability and 10, 10 sanity so that everyone start on the same level. i got to remember, well, my drive is curiosity, so. But it's not yeah. until you get to negatives that it matters, right? Yeah. That point. Just want to be clear. Yep. Zero to negative five is your first. Um, Okay. So within the the room itself, you found what there was to find. You found the stone. um, And um, the second vision was the doctor, I believe. That was uh, with the the reptilian type of thing, the sea thing, what have you. Yes, yes. When you get a chance to look at that stone, it looks... The same as the uh, symbols that um, the same symbols that were in the stone that the thing you had the vision of. Okay, so does it the, looks the, very similar. I was going to say also, does the thing that attacked us look like that thing in the image? No, no. The thing that attacked you looked like Gant. Ah, the sailor. The sa- like, yeah. like sailor. Okay, so you heard his voice and it yeah. looked like it. So it's Zombie Gant. Okay. Yep. Zombie does Gant. everyone know? If everyone noticed that that same thing, I'll just if they don't, I'll point it out. If they okay. do, yep. then no big deal. Okay. Um, uh, the doc definitely seems more shaken, I guess, than everybody else, I would say. Um, that's, yeah. 
He's also older. I was playing him as he's older than everybody else too. So he's a, you know, he's not as quick <laughs> on his feet anymore. So the um, the important clue here to find was the stone itself. So you guys have that. Okay. Where do you want to investigate next? You still have. Um, the crews of the oh. other boats and Atlas Industries. I would well. like to. Uh, is there some kind of way of analyzing the the mess that was left behind? I mean, is there some kind of? You mean the zombie remains? Yeah, the zombie remains. Or it, aside from the the fact that you've never seen anything like it, you can't really identify what it is. Okay. And maybe because you've never seen anything quite like it. Is there it a way is, to take samples of it and then maybe investigate it later? So the the blood is congealed into almost a reddish and blackish sludge. Okay. So, uh, lungs are waterlogged. Um, let's see. Uh, the, the guy Gant had several wounds like along his neck and his back. It looked like something slashed him open, but it's just covered by a grayish, gooey scab of scaly pseudo-flesh. Okay. I guess I was also That's trying That's pretty to, gross. I wanted to do a... I know I have like chemistry and a few uh, other skills here. I Technically, try none of those help you with help this. That's what but I was this is the know. information you get from examining it. Thank you. Um, did you happen to mention that it said something in your head? Yeah, I'll mention it now. Say, so uh, did you uh, kind of? So, in in my cop mind, I'm thinking about the Brotherhood of the you know Fraternity Order of Police and all that good stuff. If this thing was willing to attack us for this, what's going on at the precinct? Yeah, we'll definitely need to check that out. That's why I was concerned. I didn't want us to, to have it on okay. us or anybody else. So, wait a minute. There was Gant, but there was two others. There were seven other crewmen. No, no. There's seven other crewmen, but two that we know were attacked and thrown overboard, right? Three that three. we knew. Totally. Well, we knew the three were thrown overboard simultaneously, but we know all of them were taken overboard. The only Except one that was, for was Cookie. Cookie. Was yeah. a, okay. Cookie so, was the only so, one that was So on they the have boat. plenty of minions is what I'm trying to get at. Whatever this thing has is plenty of minions to attack the city. So we better figure this thing out pretty That's why fast. I'm thinking the police need to be warned. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. So nothing better than evidence to support our crazy claim that something is here after this artifact. So are we what, head back to the precinct to yeah. warn the police and see if anything's happened there? And again, I'll try to wrap up anything that is any sort of evidence for us to mm-hmm. show to whomever. I like, just, I just worry. Head or whatever. whatever I, I just worry that this is just going to be one of those things where it's, oh, y'all are crazy. Well, not only that, you're right. We really don't want it to get out to everybody too quickly because then it would be a mass hysteria. We don't want that either. So we need to be careful how we do indicate this uh, to, to our fellow uh, f- fellow ind- individuals here in the city. That's what I mean. So I think that's okay. the important thing that we need to work on. Yes. You, I mean, it's probably really smart not to let hysteria out yeah. in yeah. New York City in yeah. the 30s. Yes. yes. So Because that's where we are. So if we do indicate, let's, let's we can't just really... Let's collect this thing from evidence lockup and keep it on us. <laughs> I'm not going to put my fellow officers at risk. That's fair. I get you. Well, we we need to put it somewhere. If we get if it comes after us and takes us out, then the city's done. Well, you saw if it, it comes too. after us, it'll get a taste of American ingenuity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you saw too, except for its initial lunge when you got close enough. 
Um, it didn't move very fast, so you could easily outpace whatever it is. Even I could. Yeah. Okay. I think. I mean, as a game mechanic, I believe the doctor has fleeing. Yeah. So okay. you're able to get away from stuff. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. E- even if it's a lame limp, you're able to get away from. You're crafty. You can whack him with your. Uh, I go after him. Yeah. 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 Get him white. Let's go. <laughs> the old whack and run. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you play. Run. You play. Keep away by holding him mm. out with the stick. There you go. With your cane. Whatever works, right? Hey, whatever. Exactly. If that yeah. counts, it counts, right? All right. So we're gonna go back and grab the idol or whatever it yeah. is. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. So the, you go. The infant-sized soapstone. Yes. And do you want to to visit the Atlas Industries office next, or talk to uh, the crew of uh, the tugboat or Coast Guard? Those are both the same thing. Talking to the other vessels. I would like to talk to the other vessels, and okay. I would agree. And then go to Atlas because I think. I want to. I want to exhaust the other leads before I go to the one where I have a suspicion that they are. They know more about this than absolutely we do. I agree. Absolutely. Um, the there are two other vessels that saw the Star of Mauritius that night, and, and just so you guys know, this is going to be the next day. Now we're, yeah. we're going to to go one day past your initial investigation of the boat. Because enough stuff has happened that you guys need to uh, rest and so with that, um, Kurt, if you would take a minute, or if you happen to remember what you get for health or anything by resting overnight, you get something. I just can't remember what it was. I don't remember, but I will find but out. Take for a look us. while we then go on to um, two other vessels. Did see the Star of Mauritius that fateful night. One is the tugboat crew that helped bring the, the ship back into shore, and the other is the Coast Guard crew. Of the USCGC Mackinac. That boat uh, is still at sea, but you can reach them uh, when they arrive in port later today. Okay. When you go visit the tugboat crew, they are unwilling to talk about they, what, what they witnessed on the star. Although one of them, a young Irishman named McNulty, uh, pulls you aside and says... Um, I, I thought maybe I saw something in the water, but, but no one wants to believe it. Well, Just, can you describe it with more detail than something? So He keeps telling you, I can't, can't be sure what it was, but if you happen to press him with an interrogation or re- uh, reassurance spend, he might talk. I'll go interrogation. Okay. He says that and he makes sure nobody else of the crew is listening, as he tells you. He says, um, I swear, as we were bringing that boat in, there was a face in the water looking up at me. Like a... What kind of face? It's, it's like a man in the water just looking at me. That's did rather... Did you initiate rescue operations? To, like, did you throw him a, a raft? No, or? no one else saw it. No, we couldn't do it. And, and then at that point he goes quiet and just won't talk anymore. Okay. Uh, as an aside on health, yeah, we may have made a minor mistake earlier. Generally, when you use first aid, that can only take you back to one third of your maximum health. But then you gain uh, health at a rate of two points per day of restful activity. Um, if you're wounded, you're supposed to be hospitalized and gain at a different rate. But for us, I'd say resting is two points. Okay. So, for the person who was wounded, I think there's only one. Should be full health, really. Get um, two points. Um, when the Coast Guard cutter comes back, 
it will take, let's say, the, the captain of the Coast Guard cutter is, do we have this? Let's see. Um, so you get, actually, you get in touch with him on uh, the radio when it docks at Long Beach in Nassau County. Um, the, uh, over the radio, they mentioned that one of their crew, a man named Joe Palry, went mad and tried to jump overboard during the same storm, and they had to uh, tie him to the bed until they had docked. And he is now in the Long Island Hospital. Is he still manic? When they left him, he was, yes. Definitely and, want to um, talk to him. Yeah. And of their encounter with the boat, the, the uh, Coast Guard captain tells you they saw the lights of the steamer in the night at the height of the storm, and the seas were too rough for the Coast Guard to board the steamer or render assistance, so they contacted the port and warned them that the steamer was adrift. Now, does anybody have outdoorsman piloting or law? I have piloting. Okay. So you know that the Coast Guard should have offered assistance unless the storm, the storm was so wild that it endangered both ships. And you press the captain on this, and he says um, that uh, he, they might have been able to reach the star, but he was struck by the conviction that there was no one left alive, so they didn't bother. So this was just a, 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 a gut intuition that he had. Yes. Alright. So now you have another uh, lead there that you can follow, and that's Joe Paul Reed Paul Reed. Yep. at the um, <laughs> Insane Asylum. He is at the, what do they say he is? Uh, he's Long, at Long Island. Long Island. Island. Yep. At one point, we also need to go back to the art gallery to check out the paintings. Yep. Okay. So, Doc, sure. you think you can get us in to talk to him? Uh, Paul Reed? I think so. Alright. I can definitely okay. give it, give it a chance. Let, let's go there. I don't want to. I don't want yeah, to explore the Atlas thing until we have all of our ducks in a row, and you know, I would agree. Possible. It's a possibility of making an arrest or something. By the way, there. good job, Slim. Um, I think if somebody says anything odd like that, like the young man there about a face in the water or anything like that, let's just keep that under wraps. You know. Yeah. You know. Keep I don't even wraps. know what that uh, that proprietor of the. Uh, the inn is going to be doing with that mess that was made. It's probably not too noticeable in that place. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> it's pretty nasty. Oh, it's just <laughs> nasty. Use some of it for a night mask. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, well, I did kind of mention I took samples or whatever. I mean, obviously, I wouldn't want to. We wouldn't want to leave anything that would, yeah, alarm anyone. Okay. So. And and yeah, that, I mean, it makes sense that you would not make it uh, any worse than it needs to be, right? Right. Okay. Me, um, there's one other thing I want to mention here. As you are finding your way to the um, Long Island the, General Hospital, it's actually at a Long Island hospital. The name of the hospital is Our Lady of Perpetual Succor. Nice. <laughs> it's a small private hospital. It's formerly a mansion, donated to the church when its owners could no longer afford the upkeep. Um, it's all Gothic architecture and polished wood, and it's Stinks of incense and varnish. Um, let me just. Do you have a question? Maybe it gets to that later. Yep. Go ahead. But when you actually do have to psychoanalyze the individual or talk with them, yep. you know, on some level, uh, which skill we would use to psychoanalysis? psychoanalysis. Uh, yeah, I'll that would be my guess. Well, I'll tell but you what it is if that piece matters when, when it matters. All right. Okay. 
Um, so you notice while you're traveling that a lot of the, the um, uh, during the course of traveling around the city and going from place to place, uh, you hear uh, pe- just people in the street shouting things, blasphemous things at the top of their lungs, like people are just starting to go a little odd in the city while you're traveling around. You reach the hospital. You hear Paul Reed long before you reach his private room. He's singing an old Spanish dialect, some weird, like, sailing tune or something. Um, the, uh, so, and, and before you get there, the nuns who run the hospital warn you that he's very ill and liable to be violent. He's tied down and mildly sedated for his own good. Is he able for us to speak with? So you you reach his room and you see him uh, tied down on the bed. And he's a broad-shouldered, uh, looks like a vigorous young man. He looks tough and practical. And it looks even strange to see him so broken and confused, just laying there uh, singing in some old Spanish dialect. Now, I, I've worked a beat for a little while. Um, I've worked in Harlem and whatnot. And what, what, what is that piece he's singing? Um, he starts to switch in between Spanish and English, and it's um, you hear words like, gold of the sea and the devil's breath and sing-song tones just drifting between different um, languages and, and styles. Okay. Well, if we're st- are we at- there to talk with him at this You point? are in his room watching him right now. Hey, Joe. Yeah? Uh, my name's Doc- Dr. Wellington. Okay. It looks like he manages to pull himself together briefly. And he, he for the first time, really notices that you're all in the room with him. It's, it's nice to meet you. I hope you're your stay here isn't too bad. Uh, yeah, it's not bad. They treat me okay. We're here to to try to help everyone. You know, apparently there was a, something that happened on that boat that you won last night, uh, yesterday. Oh, yeah, I saw the devil climb right out of the sea, right onto the boat, yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Interesting. Can you tell me a little bit about that? No. No? No. Okay, well, if, if you... And then but he starts babbling in Spanish for a little bit. And it doesn't sound like Spanish you've heard on the street or in the university or anything, but you know it's Spanish. It's got to be some really old dialect. Is it Kind of like the Spanish you heard in the visions. That that's what had. I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I meant. So something like that. An ancient language and then of he some sort. When he's drifting in and out of English and Spanish, he's rambling on about demons possessing people and the terrible dreams he's been having. And then he saw the devil come out of the sea and the thing went right up on the boat. Can you tell me what the devil looked like? He said that the devil? You know what the devil looks like. He climbed right up out onto the boat. So let me guess. He's got red skin with big horns. No? No? No, that's not the devil at all. That's not the, that's not the devil. And he starts screaming screaming and screaming and does not stop. Joe, calm down. Calm. You know, is this something I can the, the nuns, reassurance? The nuns of? rush in and sedate him fully and he is out. Okay. Got to work on your bedside manner there, Doc. I guess so. He got everything he could out of him. <laughs> just so you know. He did just fine. I did just fine, huh? Yes. Okay. Well, excellent. Well, I, that's all we can get from this gentleman, so yes. let's do our best to uh, where to next. Thank you. Uh, you uh, he, he says, yeah. thank you very much for allowing us to come in and, and speak with the young man. And, and the nurses are all very you know, quiet and reserved. I, well, we hope he gets better. I'm sure he'll get better. Yeah. Me too. The museum? 
head to the uh, the uh, art gallery. Uh, that's what I meant. I'm sorry, the Greenwich and gallery. And that's what I meant too. That's yes, the the gallery in Greenwich. This guy. We got to go to the Feinstein yes. Gallery. So Greenwich you find Village. that um, one of Henry Wilcox's bas reliefs is on show at an at, at this art gallery. It depicts a strange city of many ang- angled buildings and impossible tombs, and it somehow reminds you of that artifact that you're carrying around now. Um, and when you arrive there, and you're looking at the artifact, I went and moved my pages around so I have them in the wrong order now, damn it. Um, 70 to 71, and then 72. All right, you are um, greeted as you guys are looking at the, the different things in the art museum, or at the art gallery. I'm going to mix the two, art gallery and museum. That's fine. Um, uh, a man who is very thin, but still dressed in um, uh, federal agent clothing. He looks very much like a federal agent. Uh, has a few br- bruises on his face, but he looks very stern and in control of himself, if not a little sketchy, a little uh, nervous, if you will. Um, and he comes up and he introduces himself. He says, hey, I, um, I'm Agent Croft, Malcolm Croft, and I heard you're looking into what happened on the Star of Mauritius. And the doctor, Wellington, distinctly remembers in his vision this is one of the guys that was shooting a pistol at mm. the um, the creature that was running away. Okay. So, so you clearly recognize him. He looked in your vision. He was several years younger and not as gaunt, but it's exactly the same guy, without a doubt. Gotcha. So I'm chomping at the bit when I have the opportunity to tell the rest of the gang, this is the guy from my vision. Clearly, you can't say that now. So he says, I've seen that you guys have been doing some investigation, and what, what, what have you learned about Wilcox? I don't know how much we've learned at all, guys. Do we have any reason to trust this guy? Are you saying that in front no, of him? No, we're, we're doing it now. <laughs> we're talking it out yeah. now. Making, uh, uh, he gives you guys a look. He just literally says, I don't think we have much to talk about at all, actually. I might ask, I might ask him what his interest in Wilcox is. Hmm. See, see what he tells us, and then okay. assess honesty if necessary. Okay. Um, oh, that's a skill? Nice. So he... La, 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 la. All right. He tells you... Um, uh, you ask him what he knows about Wilcox? Is that that's why he's interested in him. Why he's interested? What, why well, he's asking. Um, and he is clearly willing to speak, like right off the bat. He confronted you guys, but he also wants to talk back yeah. and forth. And he says that um, uh, Wilcox, well, he owns, uh, he owns Atlas Engineering, inherited from his uncle. Have you seen his depraved art? And he points to the, the um, uh, sculpture piece up on the wall. Uh, he was one of those touched by the epidemic of 25 when degenerates across the United States fell under their sway. We wiped the infestation at, at Innsmouth, but he's trying to put it all back together. We've got to stop him. What infestation? Who is they? So... Um, you ask what happened at Innsmouth. Just the next question. Ask him. He says, uh, at Innsmouth, well, you know, they crawled up out of the sea. The old man Marsh called them up, and he offered his daughters to them. They birthed horrors in that town, terrible half-human things. The government found out, and we raided Innsmouth in the winter of 28. Um, S-19 and the Urania dropped depth charges off of Devil's Wreath. They thought that would be enough, the fools. But a few bombs won't stop them. It's not enough. Not enough by half. It's up to me, to us now. You're good men, and a woman. 
good American man and a woman. <laughs> I can tell by, by your eyes. You've seen them and their works. Unless we act, they'll rise up and devour the world. We've got to do something. How do you know about them? I mean, other than what you just said, but, but what, what other I, history do you have? He tells with you, I was there in Innsmouth. I was part of the raid. You were actually part of the raid. Yeah. And you would know that for certain because he, you remember him from your vision. And anyone with assess, assess honesty, which I think a couple yeah, of people have. Yeah, that's what I wanted to check um, for as He well. is telling the truth. He is telling the no truth. No doubt about it. Okay. Uh, you have psychoanalysis as well. Yes. He appears dangerous. He's on the edge. This guy's on the edge. More um, dangerous than Slim, huh? And anyone mm-hmm. with cop talk, which is everyone here, um, you also can back up that he's a, at least a former federal agent. Okay. So mm-hmm. he wants in. And I, I'm with you guys now. We, we've got we've to get rid of the thing. Do you have it? What would you do with it? Well, you've got to destroy it, of course, and all of them. You've got to stop them so this stuff doesn't happen again. How do we you can't let them rise up. How would you destroy it? Uh, you have to find a way, of course, but you, you've got to stop them first. Wilcox that. is one of them. He's got to be stopped. I find it interesting that a federal agent wants this device and is just going to simply destroy it. Well, of course. You, you've seen some of what it can do. You've seen what I saw do. you guys at the boarding house. You know what it can do. Is he... Can reassess honesty on whether he's going to actually destroy it or not? Everything he tells you is the truth. Okay. Okay. So we believe him. Oh, so we yeah. believe him. Then. Can you tell right. us more about who they are? These people, the, what's going to rise up? You just keep saying they, they. Yeah, exactly. What, what you've, they? you've seen them. You know what I'm talking about. The zombies. The demons, the, the, the evil, the old things. The things that rise up out of the depths. Is it just because of this thing? I mean, it's part of it. Do we know what started this? I mean, other than... No. No? Nobody else is willing to fight. It, it, just, it was just me. Now it's us. We could do this together. So, we got a good feeling about you. The only thing yeah. is, is um, what do you plan? I mean, this just seems odd. You're by yourself here talking to us about this. I mean... I've been following Wilcox around for a while. I'm uh-huh. trying to figure out where he is. He's kind of a recluse. I see. Well, while you guys are talking, can I go over to the gallery office since I know the owner, Harvey? Mm-hmm. Harvey and I go way Harvey. back. Yeah. Harvey Feinstein and I, can I go into the office and see if I can figure out anything on the painting? Remember that name from a and movie? And Henry? Mm-hmm. Henry's painting? Uh, yeah, his artwork, yeah. it's just, it's odd artwork. And it just reminds you of the artifact, and they've never seen anything like it except Henry's artwork. So nothing in the books that tells me more about like, where it came from, what any special agreements that they had? No. Just uh, just a, yeah. a regular show? Yeah, regular show. And um, it just your own examination of it is very reminiscent of the artifact itself. And only because you've seen it. For those who haven't seen it, it's just an odd piece of art. Forgive me, I'm bad with names sometimes. Yeah. What was your name? Uh, Croft, Malcolm Croft. Sounds like it might be time to go back to Atlas Industries or figure out how we're going to track down Will Wilcox. Okay. Um, By the way, so Croft did ask if you had the artifact. Yes, he did ask. Yes. Did anyone answer him? We very it? specifically did not. We did not. Okay. That's right. Um, okay. I almost I almost want to see if we can conscript him into going He's up. He's still with us right now, though. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I'm I'm 
not talking out loud. I'm thinking out loud here. So there is the Coast Guard ship that um, went to, pro to do uh, rescue operations on the uh, cargo ship on the Star. Um, well, the, the, they dropped off the Coast Guard ship. Just called in the Port Authority, who dragged it in with the tug. So they the dropped Coast Guard off. Never went on the ship. They dropped off a individual who has been most unhelpful. Mm -hmm. Would you be willing to go to where the cargo ship is docked in Rhode Island to uh, well, the Coast interview Guard. Coast Guard ship? So. Yeah, interview the captain and crew. It's in Rhode Island. Uh, I I'm after Wilcox. When you guys are ready to go for him, I'll be there. Sorry, what's in the, the, in the Coast Guard? Yeah, the Coast Guard crew. They have nothing to do with this. So it's all Wilcox. We've so got to stop them before it happens again. So that's basically it. You wanted to stop Wilcox from collecting his artifact? Before the what happened in Innsmouth happens again. Yes. They use this that artifact, that thing, to to the the horrors that came out of the town. Terrible half human so things. I'm just curious. What are you going to arrest him on? How are you gonna take him in? I'll take care of it when the time comes. Okay. Right. That gives me comfort. Well, we're not soldiers, so... That's fine. All right. You don't need to be. We just need to stop him. We can't let him use the artifact. Okay. I hope you got backup. <laughs> well, I do now, yeah. Four more. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's go. Yeah. So, we're going to Atlas now? So, yeah. Don, what you thinking? Um, something... Something's not setting right with me on this one. Me neither. Now, other than the fact that he is a disturbed man, he has said or done nothing wrong. No, no, no. Just I, to be clear. I don't right. think he's... I don't think he, he made that. This is yeah. Kevin talking. I don't think he made that comment for that reason. I think he was like... The connection with Wilcox and yeah. him yeah. and why they haven't taken Wilcox down. And now suddenly he's coming to talk to us. What does he need to talk to us for? You see what I'm saying? That's what my... That's what my issues are. Yeah. Well, but if he was at Innsmouth, which we would know about, or at least now you have the vision. The doctor had the vision of Innsmouth, and yes. he was there. Right. Oh, by know. the way, I explained the vision that I couldn't say earlier. That yeah. was him. You know, when we do get a chance to get a free moment. Now, now, he just to just to, to make it perhaps a little easier, he will tell you and said, "Look, when you guys are ready to go for Wilcox, I'll be around watching. I'll go with you." And then he he walks out. Oh, so he's not going to go with us. All right. Fair enough. Now that makes I sense. think it'll make it easier for you guys to That'll decide what you're doing sense. next without yeah. the fifth yeah, yeah. wheel. Right. Well, not only that, without a federal agent walking around with us as we go up what into... What are you talking about with us? <laughs> Which they probably are familiar with this guy, possibly. Former federal agent. He introduced himself as agent, but... Okay. I'm with you. He didn't use the word former, but you know he's a former federal agent. The cop talk bit lets you know that he... Clearly, if he was still a federal agent, his uh, suit wouldn't be threadbare, and he wouldn't be in such bad yeah. shape. Tilly, what did you find? Uh, Bupkis. Harvey didn't have anything in his book special about the, that art. Gotcha. Well, it's uh, our next stop. For the Atlas office? Atlas. Sounds like it is. I think all other options have been exhausted. All right. So at the office uh, of Atlas Industries in New York, the secretary gets Mr. Boyle for you. When he arrives, he is clearly a nervous man. Before we get into that, I just yeah. wanted to talk briefly. Oh, yeah, I, go right I guess when we get there, uh, suggest we probably act like we know nothing. Maybe you know a little, you know. 
not lead on too much that we've been yeah, talking uh, to um, an agent. Or I think it, I think our our thing should clear. be that uh, we were reviewing the logs of the star, and we noticed that this was, this, you know, we're, we're looking more into what the crew like, and there was a murder on the ship or something. Like that's our that's angle. our angle. Yeah, let's use that as our angle instead. If we're coming to take you down. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. Harley. All right. Um, like I say, you arrive, and the secretary gets Mr. Boyle for you, and uh, he is a nervous fellow. And um, when he comes out, he says, uh, hi, yes, um, what can I help you with, officer, doctor? So last night, the uh, star... Officer, detective, damn it. Go ahead. Yeah. The star of Mauritius was uh, brought into dock, and all crew um, bar one MIA. Uh, I was reviewing the ledgers and discovered that a Wilcox was the last account that chartered this boat. Um, I would like to see if there's any more information that you can provide for me. Well, I can confirm that the uh, Star of Mauritius was indeed under contract for Atlas Industries to deliver machine parts from Kingsport to New York. Yes. From which port? Kingsport. Kingsport. Kingsport to New York, yeah. Definitely, that that was true. Uh, it's okay. true. Yes, yes. Where's the Kingsport at exactly? Jamaica. Jamaica. There you go. Uh. The machinery. Is there anything special about the machinery? Uh, there's nothing more I need to reveal unless you've brought a warrant with you. Well, you know, Can Tilly try to sweet talk him? Um, a one-point reassurance spend can reveal some information here. I don't have any. And it doesn't have to be Tilly, but any one-point reassurance spend. I can do that. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um. So <laughs> with the one-point yeah. reassurance spend, Boyle does admit that the machine parts carried on the star were scrapped from the old Marsh refinery in Innsmouth. And that Atlas bought them from the federal government through a connection of the late Jeremiah Wilcox. So these are machine parts that were part of that prior incident, of the incident, that were there when the incident happened. Now, he doesn't tell you that, but yes, that's that's what we're we're inferring, yeah. Yes. So it's possible, like, in my head, I'm thinking, you know, it's possible that this artifact was... Buried with the thing, and then when they discovered it, they threw it in a special hold. All right. Um, also, it's a good cover to you know, say we were delivering machine parts when you're actually delivering something else. Well, and there was a note in the ledger about the special. Mm-hmm. Yes. It was hired to. to yes. Yeah. So I'll, I'll pull out that bit of ledger and uh, I'll show him the uh, for special. And then, you know, do, do we do we know what this special is? Like, why such careful attention was paid to it? I can't tell you any reason why the captain would be writing such stuff. Uh, look at how horribly organized that ship's log is. I couldn't tell you why he wrote anything there. Do you think we could talk to someone who would know more than what you do? Uh, there is nobody with more information. I'm sorry. That's it. All right, well, um, just, for, uh, just for your records... Um, Everything is under police lockup until we've uh, solved why all the uh, crew is missing. Um, don't expect to receive any of that merchandise until after the investigation is cleared. Well, great then. Good day to you. And he shows so. you out the door. Looks like we'll have to do this more unofficially. Maybe if we uh, 
kind of have a meeting of sorts. Our journalist meets with him maybe uh, over dinner. Yeah. I mean, is there anything that interrogation or flattery or anything like that would be able to, we'd be able to get anything more from him? Or? You are done with him. Or he is done with you is probably the easier way to put it. You definitely were not done with him. He is done with you. I would uh, like to uh, stake out this office and watch for where he goes after this news. That works because uh, we'll say a couple hours afterwards, um, you you receive a call from the precinct, a messenger perhaps, okay. or, or maybe you have a radio, whatever it may be. You receive word from the precinct that Boyo contact uh, the the New York office, and there there is a message for you. Okay. So um, um, they need you to go there to talk to him. Um, Boyle's the guy we were just talking to. Yeah, yeah. Boyle, Mr. Boyle. Um, the the message is if uh, you call him from the police precinct, he has uh, he wants to talk to you. Okay. Oh. He doesn't know you're sitting outside his office. You that's, see. That's good. All right, so uh, a okay. couple of you stay here, and I'll go back real quick. Okay. I have a plan if this doesn't work, but we'll see what, see what um, he has to offer. So when, he, uh, when you get on the phone with him, he tells you that uh, he, need, he actually needs the uh, cargo of the, um, the Star of Mauritius. And, uh, of course, I mean, it, can't, it, it obviously can't be relevant to the case, as nothing dangerous was stored on board. Uh, can you just kindly release the cargo? I'm sorry about our incident earlier. Um, I, I am going to need to discuss this with someone who knows more of why this cargo was acquired. Um, is, is there any way you can arrange that meeting? Um, if you can just uh, hand over the cargo from the ship to Atlas Industries, they'll take care of transporting it to uh, Fire Island facility. I, again, I, I need to talk to someone first. Uh, that's me. And He's in charge. Why is Mr. this machinery is needed? Uh, it's just machinery to be used by Atlas Industries. It's just old machinery they're going to reuse for new machinery. Recycling. Which I don't even know if it was a word in mm-hmm. 1932, was it? <laughs> <laughs> Had recycling been invented yet? Yeah, they're right? just reusing, repurposing. There you go. Yeah. Repurposing, okay. Yes. Um, I do have a plan. Once, if you get a second. Get, get back. I... I they're not going to... We can and, give them and, the machines. Until, the, until this investigation is over, I'm sorry, I cannot release this. Release the materials. Good idea. Good day, sir. Um, okay. Then shortly after, while you're still in the precinct, the phone rings again, and it's uh, Boyle calling back. And he um, informs you that Mr. Wilcox is willing to meet with you to discuss the matter further That's over transferring the cargo. That's okay. Um, and at that point... Um, the officer, the reception officer, <laughs> uh, gives you a message that Wilcox left earlier. And this is a handout, again, uh, the second of the two handouts for the, um, the adventure. And this is a message from Mr. Wilcox to you. All right, and I'll read it out loud here. Uh, from Babylon Estate, East Fire Island, uh, to whom it may concern, I am given to understand that a terrible tragedy has befallen one of the proud ships that braved the wild seas and that the ship in question is the Star of Mauritius, engaged by my company to perform certain tasks. There are certain matters that must be attended to, matters of both art and considerable urgency, and I believe they would be best discussed in person. You are hereby invited to visit me at my private estate on East Fire Island. 
for some reason that's a question mark after that um please contact the atlas industries office in new york and mr boyle will arrange transport immediately yours h.a wilcox postscript in addition to its normal cargo the star was i understand carrying a peculiar and valuable piece of modern art that is most dear to my heart it is, of course, of no relevance into any criminal investigation, so if you could bring it with you to my estate, I would consider it, shall we say, the price of your passage. That's not suspicious at all. Interesting. That was kind of the plan that I had. So, uh, we, met, we met with them unofficially. So Boyle has now, in, in, in addition to this letter, now invited me to dinner had to eat the well, Wilcox state. has invited you. Wilcox yes. put the B in the letter, but Boyle over the phone. Uh, Boyle has said, you have the message, and I will arrange for your transport once you agree to the meeting. Yes. Okay. And I'll head back to the stakeout. Okay. And, and uh, tell us share this new information with you all. Excellent. Um, I think we should go. This the only, is, this, the this interesting, is interesting thing is the question is do we bring this item with us no I don't think he's going to take us if we don't have it well, we could try but as he said it's the price of our passage I bet that they won't take us without that but we have two of these items now Which well you have we... the artifact and you have a stone and a stone and he's talking about the artifact how does, hard would it be because the does, stone but wasn't on the boil boat. now yeah. oh yeah you know well, I mean, he should know. Yeah, he would probably. It's his boss. How yeah, hard would it be for me to replicate the artifact at the museum and or at the art gallery? I would say just short of impossible because it is not accounted for in the adventure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Stop messing yeah. with the game. How yeah. much Play-Doh do you have? <laughs> okay. Interesting. Oh, never mind. Okay. Can we try? Can we try leaving it? Do you guys want to risk leaving it? No, because we're not going to be able to get over there without it. So you really want to hand it to him? Are you currently still carrying it around with you? Yes. Okay. Just want to make sure. Yes, he is. Okay. Um, You don't want to take it with us. What if he takes it? For us to put pressure on him. With our journalist friend here, Um, Michael, and uh, if if word got out that he had such an item. We can use that as leverage. The fact that you're actually uh, holding the item, you know, uh, by the authorities, you can't actually just, you know, bulldoze his way in and get the get the item itself. Correct. But if we used um, the leverage of saying, "Hey, we're going to go to the papers about this or whatever," then that might sway him one way or the other to cooperate with us. So, how reputable is uh, Michael's name within the? Uh Newspaper industry, pretty pretty good. Yeah, thumbs up isn't audible. Kurt. Yeah, <laughs> no, I have I have a very strong reputation. Yeah. So if you were to actually publish a story, given what we've discovered so far, um, well, not maybe not publish it, but have it held in check so that if you do don't come back, it gets published. Um, you want to blackmail Wilcox? Not so much blackmail, but a sh- it's like an insurance policy. Insurance yeah. policy. A share our return. Absolutely. Sounds reasonable. Absolutely. Yeah, so I would need a night to write it, but I could. You can draft that. it up. All right. So, so you draft it up, and uh, we'll go tomorrow. We'll then. Take pictures of it, so that it looks more legitimate. Take pictures with what? <laughs> Cell phone. 
with, with your cell phone? No. Not. 32 to hit. 1832 to hit. Cameras? They would have pictures. Yeah. Come on now. But they wouldn't think to. I pictures were expensive. Did you have he didn't just haphazardly take photos of that documents. That is very fair. Did you have photography as the journalist? I can't remember. I'm about remember to say, come did. on. I do. All right. Yeah, so, yeah, you, you would at least cameras. have access yeah. to a camera. Then. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, so, that worked. It's <laughs> like the papers didn't have pictures yeah. or something. Come on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> There's, they take pictures of pictures. Yeah, right? <laughs> um, so, the next morning, we're going to get ready to take the launch to Fire Island. But for now, we're going to take another short pause and we'll be right back. Goodbye. Bye-bye. For now. Here's a little more information about what you're hearing. The adventure we are playing is titled The Wreck from the adventure book Arkham Detective Tales. We also used a couple of the downloads from Belgrain's Trail of Cthulhu downloads page, including the handouts for the adventure and the quick one-page rule sheets. Back to the episode. Hi, and welcome back to Adventures from the Shed. We're continuing our Trail of Cthulhu game, and with me here is... JJ. I'll be playing Dawn Slim Persing. Hi, everyone. This is Mickey. I play Tilly Bly, the archaeologist. Hey, this is Kurt. I am playing the journalist Michael O'Shea, and I'll just say that you say Cthulhu, I say Cthulhu. Exactly. Hi, everybody. This is Kevin again, and I will be playing Dr. Wellington. And I am Joe. I'm the keeper for this Trail of Cthulhu game. <laughs> That's another way to say it. Um, w- when we last left off, our heroes, our normal people actually, were going to uh, have taken the invitation of Henry Anthony Wilcox Esquire to visit him on his island. Um, so the next morning, you, you go to catch the launch off of the port, mm-hmm. and uh, you meet up with um, uh, Malcolm Croft. On the way there, uh, you find he's just been following you all along. Uh, and he says, great, so you got the invitation. We're ready to go then. Yeah. About that. Uh, so before you board the launch, there are two crew members there. And they insist on seeing the artifact before allowing you on the boat. Um, I will uh, leave it in the um, burlap sack and just kind of hold it open for them. Okay. And I recommend uh, not making direct contact with them. Yeah, they, they nod, and they allow you onto the launch and start up the motor, and off you go. It takes about an hour uh, from Long Beach to each East Fire Island. As you arrive, the the um, the sun glitters off the cold waters of the North Atlantic. And to the port side, you see the coast of Long Island. Uh, to starboard is the low, green, sandy spit of Fire Island stretching out for miles. The main island is sparsely populated. Uh, there's a mix of fishermen and rich New Yorkers with summer houses here. Uh, it is a uh, East Fire Island, where you're headed, is a much smaller circle of sand and stone. On the west side, an obviously new metal pier extends out into the water. Piles of pipes and other scrap metal lie piled near the pier, and there are several corrugated iron sheds nearby. Um, also near the work sheds are several small cottages, uh, and the uh, the guys on the launch are describing some of this to you. They tell you that's where the estate servants and engineers live. And uh, Mr. Wilcox is awaiting you at his home. His mansion stands on a small rise to the south. It's a smart, modern beach house with electric lights and a column, a columnade walkway along the beachfront. Uh, you make your way up to the house. Again, uh, Croft is with you. 
And when you enter, it's more like an art gallery than an inhabited house. The whole place is spotless and sterile. The art art is an eclectic mix of folk pieces from various Middle Eastern and Pacific cultures, all the way up to the most avant-garde fever dreams of futurists and surrealists. There is even a framed close-up photograph of a razor blade cutting into a human eye, standing or hanging next to a tattered Sanskrit scroll. There are also a large number of bas-reliefs and bizarre shapes that suggest, from a certain angle, a tremendous cyclopean city. Uh, you pass by a library, contains a lot of books there, and there's a large bay window in the library looking down the slope to the columnade at the seashore beyond. In front of the window is an empty plinth, which I had to look up. Does anyone know what a plinth is? It's the base where you put a column on top of. It is one of the four basic structures. I had no idea. But there's one of those. The more you know. Yes. Um, So there's a plinth flanked by two incense burners. A yellow silk cushion sits a short distance back from it. And next to it is a box. It is here that you see Wilcox. And Henry Anthony Wilcox Esquire, clearly an eccentric fellow, uh, he comes into the room and greets you, and uh, he has a servant also bring in a tray of cups and um, coffee to offer you. Hello. Welcome. I see you've accepted the invitation. Have you brought it with you? The, the artifact? That was the price of passage, as you put it. Great. So he, he gets the coffee served out to you. You find a nice, comfortable place to sit. And if I hadn't already talked enough, here is Wilcox's monologue, his nice long account. In the spring of 1925, I was attending the Rhode Island School of Design, studying sculpture. A strange mania came over me in February, a period of limitless creativity and inspiration that I have never experienced since. I dreamed such dreams, gentlemen and lady. Dreams of knighted cyclopean stones and strange, sky-flung monoliths, a city of such wonder and terror as to defy merely human conception. It was a dream older than brooding teary or the contemplative sphinx or garden-girdled Babylon. Good gosh. It was the most singular experience of my life. The dreams lingered for a few short days, then vanished. I lapsed first into fever, then into lethargy. I had lost all my Eldritch Muse. All I had left were a few words, half-remembered in a dream. Cthulhu, Rilia, Cthulhu, Flatagen. I knew, do not ask how I knew, that the dreams were not wholly mine, that they were older than I. Others had dreamed them before, and I resolved to seek them out. My family had a little money, and I traveled the world looking for signs of such dreams. I found a few traces, a few folk tales, but, well, I see you are people who have walked in dark places. The secrets of pre-human history have fallen into the hands of primitives and superstitious madmen, and I lacked the courage or the stomach to ingratiate myself with them. Disheartened and defeated, I return home to Providence, arriving just in time to be at my uncle Jeremiah's deathbed. And as he's speaking, the weather outside is getting worse. Rain is, uh, begins to spatter against the big bay windows, and fog is rolling up from the sea. And he continues, uh, My uncle Jeremiah had quarreled with my cousin Timothy, and so he left me the majority of shares in his engineering company. 
I had little interest in the work, although I will not deny the money was welcome. I purchased this house to work on my art in private, hoping I could recapture my dream through toil. Then fortune smiled upon me. By chance, I learned there was a town but a few miles from my birthplace where the dreams I sought had taken root. Its name was Innsmouth. I would have traveled there immediately, but I learned there was an outbreak of disease and the federal government had quarantined the whole region. Visitors were not permitted. It took me some time to find a way in. An old friend of my uncle worked for the federal government. There was a gold refinery in Innsmouth that had been seized by the government after the deaths of the whole Marsh family in the outbreak, and through my uncle's friend, I'll not name him, I arranged for the demolition and salvage con contract to be awarded to my company. I had hoped to carry away some books and works of art from Innsmouth, but the overzealous agents of our government have decreed that nothing may be removed from the town without their permission. I was forced, finally, to bribe and smuggle items out of the town. The artifact found aboard the Star of Mauritius was one of these prizes. Gentlemen and lady, the fancies of madmen and eccentrics aside, these items are harmless. I swear I do not know what happened aboard the steamer, but it simply cannot have had the slightest connection to my little indiscretions. Whew. He likes to talk. Mm. Yeah, clearly. Wow. So, anyone so with a cess honesty uh, can confirm that Wilcox is, Wilcox is being largely honest. He's genuinely appalled at the death of the crew on the, on the ship. Um, and psychoanalysis you have so uh, that suggests that his experiences whatever they were traumatized him so much they warped all his future uh, future actions he is not as sane as he appears so he's just an old man messing with things that he does not understand yeah yeah so when he says that it can't be in any way connected to his artifact he believes that yep he's being largely honest your assessed honesty says he's not trying to deceive you about anything just not a lie if you believe it's the truth. Exactly the, the idea. Yeah. That was George Costanza. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Can I take an, an opportunity to look around the room to see if there's anything that... Uh, aside from that, the, the plinth, that structure, as well as the, um, the silk cushion and the, the other, the incense burning things, it's a library. Um, that's just a spot in front of a big bay window. That looks like it's set up for something. I guess I would ask him what he plans to do with the artifact. Um, well, if questions a question about the artifact, Wil Wilcox eagerly relates what he knows of it. <laughs> from what I can gather, it's a sort of psychic sponge. It absorbs thoughts and dreams from those who venerate it, and then slowly exudes them back out. An adept would even reach into the stones and recover specific dreams. It's like a recording of our distant path, a library of thought. I do not know if this is a natural phenomenon that was that was then attributed to the pre-human gods, or if it is the product of some ancient mental science beyond our modern understanding. But it is beautiful, is it not? A work of sublime artistry. An ancient priest in Sumatra told me of a chant that commands the stone and attunes the mind. Once I recite, recite the chant, the gates of the dream will open to me, not of horn or ivory, but of substone and clay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> So he wants to activate it. Don't you realize that you could be unleashing horrors onto this world that we don't understand? No. Like, in other words, she's trying to re reason with him, trying to no. get him to realize that this is a bad thing. No, it's just simply an artifact that absorbs dream energy or something. It, 
Surely it's nothing harmful. Surely? That's what the archaeologists that opened Tut's tomb thought. And we saw what happened to them. Well, that's nonsense. There's nothing otherworldly about this at all. Nonsense? Tell that to the poor dead guy. Well, this wasn't found in Tut's tomb, regardless. <laughs> okay. So, I would ask you if you wouldn't, if you wouldn't mind, good, good uh, detective, if you would place the artifact on the plinth in the library, right here. That way, I can, um, I can. Uh, I want to activate it. The uh, other artifact, the other stone that we found, okay. um, and ask him what he knows about the inscriptions upon it. Uh, that's nothing. Nothing I'm aware of. No. So you're not, you, you're not as aware of the history of this artifact as you claim to be. Well, the artifact itself is different. This stone is well, it's nothing. That's just a stone from some ancient civilization or something. My... Uh, my... compatriots here and I had the misfortune of making direct skin-to-stone contact with this. And we were all taken with a vision of sorts. Oh, no, no. I'm quite sure the command to activate it hasn't been spoken yet. Oh, well... At least that's the impression the old priest gave me. Yes, but... I but admit the interpreter was not the most reliable fellow. However, if you place it here on the plinth, I can deactivate it. If it is activated, not a problem at all. A sponge touched still leaks a little, even if it's not wrong. While they're discussing things, Doc was kind of looking behind him to see if uh, we were being followed by our friend. Oh, he's with you the whole time. He's just kind of skulking around. Wilco- not Wilcox. Um, Malcolm, Croft. Malcolm, Malcolm Croft. Malcolm Croft. He's there with you. He's been with you the so, whole time. Who was this agent that helped you uh, smuggle this illicit cargo from Ismith? Uh, and, and at that point, Wilcox says, Look, look, please just place the artifact on there. And he moves towards you. You have it in a bag, right? I do. All right. So as he moved towards you, at this point, um, Croft... He pulls a pistol out of his uh, uh, out of his jacket, and as soon as Wilcox goes towards you and the artifact, he shoots him in the chest, firing until his gun is empty. And he shouts, "You can't let these demon sorcerers speak a word, you fools! Not one blasphemy! He's one of them, I tell you! And God knows what he have called up, what he would have called up! He has to die!" And he just his pistol clicks empty, and lightning crashes outside, echoing the gunshots. And Wilcox staggers towards the plinth and sinks onto his cushion and scrabbles at the box next to it before dying. He tries to speak, but only bubbles of bloody froth burst from his lips. Croft is laughing hysterically. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to butt out some manacles, and uh, I just witnessed a murder. Yes. Manacles? Absolutely. Shoot him! He's emptied his gun. He's harmless. Um, he will attack any investigators who try to restrain him. So, well, this will be a scuffle versus scuffle. This will be a scuffle versus scuffle. Yeah. <laughs> and you are the... Uh, well, actually, I guess for the scuffle, he would be the initiator. So he'll go first, and it would roll a three. Wh- whoever initiates goes first. You okay. still go. You don't yeah. get stopped. It's just he So that my threshold is a three, so you okay. do scuffle. So he will hit you for one point of damage trying to stop you. Uh, and then you can try and, and grab So this yeah. is athletics? Scuffle. You should scuffle. have scuffle. Okay. Yeah. Really? Scuffle? Scuffle is hand-to-hand fighting. All right. That is a five for me. Okay. 
when I get so, an opportunity, I'll, like I said, well, try to he's knock going. Him. He's going to be successful now in being able oh, to restrain him. Never mind that. Um, oh. So you grab him. Uh, who has the highest sense trouble? I have a five. I have a two. I have an eight. Uh, Does sense the doctor trouble. have any? <laughs> sense trouble I, I, zero. All right. So the archaeologist um, Tilly, you feel a a prickling at the back of your neck alerting you to movement outside and through the rising storm you see something crawl up out of the water and start shambling up towards the house I start screaming it's coming it's coming we have to get rid of it oh great so now you guys have the three options that I had mentioned uh, off air you you can either try to deal with the artifact try and fight what is coming or escape throw it into the fire it is nearly indestructible, as you found. However, yeah. Wilcox was just talking about being able to deactivate it, so maybe if you could interact with it some way. The plinth. He was trying to get something out of the plinth. Well, he when was he trying was to dying. set it on top of it. Yes. But what yeah. was he scrabbling at? He was scrabbling there, at something. There's a when box he was dying. next to it. Yep. Yes. Can well, I open the box? Yeah. What's in the box? <laughs> <laughs> What's in the box? Um, so, in the, at this point, um, you can find a. You have. May specify here. You have a few minutes to act before what you now recognize as zombies uh, coming up from the ocean, before they reach and storm the house. So you can either attempt to deal with the artifact, fortify your position, or flee for your lives. Um, one of the things that uh, was mentioned was he has, um, well, maybe he didn't mention it, but I'll mention it just to make it easy. Uh, there is a scroll that has some information, a Spanish manuscript in the library. And somebody uh, who has Latin, which is convenient because a doctor does, could, be, could try to interact with the artifact if you, if you choose to go the route of interacting with the artifact. Yes, we're going to try to interact. Try to deactivate it, Doc. Because you, right, you already know that it's dangerous, but let's give it a shot. Is the only people in the house? Is the only people in the house us or are there others? There are servants, but they're fleeing for their lives. Now. Okay, that's what I want to be clear yeah. of. Everybody else is like, "Oh my gosh!" Well, if you guys can give me some time, barricade, you know, give me give me some time to do some reading here. I can try to see if I can figure it out. Okay. Yeah, I don't think fleeing helps us because we're gonna have this thing, and they're yeah. just these things are just gonna follow, follow us and keep attacking us. Absolutely, presumably. and they probably don't sleep like we do. So, yeah. You think? <laughs> work your esotericism. Okay. So to re- just give me time. To um, when you examine the Spanish manuscript, um, you can oh, read you- it. And to try to recover the chant used to deactivate the stone, you must make a stability test. Now I will tell you, you want to spend points on this. Oh, I am going to. <laughs> it starts very high, but it drops by one for each attempt. Okay, so I say very high and just one. Yeah. Um, oh. And then you can make one attempt. It says you can make one attempt every few round, every few rounds, so every few seconds, really. Um, and. Okay, so go, go ahead. Right, I'm going to spend two on the first one, I guess. Okay, you want to spend more than that. More than that. Let wow. me tell you, your first check is a 10. All right, so I'll spend four. So you need to roll a six to be successful. Actually, that's all I have, unless we guess, unless we recuperated something. You only have four, four left? Yeah. Okay, cool. You're going batshit crazy. <laughs> yes. Go for it. <laughs> that's all we got. Oh, roll a seven. Okay. Yeah. So you lose the, the four you spent yeah, and one more. 
Okay. So as the doctor starts fighting or, or uh, trying to figure out the Spanish manuscript and working with the artifact, you go to what? Negative one? Yeah. Okay. Now let's take a look at that. What does negative one do? You will be... Shaken. Uh, yep. And it's the same as being hurt physically. Shaken. All difficulties are plus one and investigative spends are impossible. Um, you now need to make a test versus a difficulty equal to the absolute value of health, uh, What's actually his? to uh, stability, to stay conscious. What's his pillar of sanity, though? Uh, I don't remember what it is, and we haven't even looked at those yet. <laughs> yeah, mine was a... Uh, oh, it was a drive. If you follow your drive... Feature of humanity. Uh, oh, drive, yeah, sorry. Something to that effect. The, the drive is what gets you back yeah. your stability. Oh, this drive should have been curiosity, not adventure. Really. Yes, chipping. The, well, actually, that was a sudden shock for the doctor. Yeah, a sudden shock. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah oh, my pillar, pillar of sanity is the innate goodness of mankind. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. Um, all right, so the next roll, or, or the next check is a nine. However, you, get a, you have to add a plus one to it, so it's ten. So you literally can't do it. That's right. You are now at the point where... You are you're no longer able to even try to control this thing. You are just frazzled. So what is yeah. what, well, what is you the are, check? He is shaken. Um, I was I was actually going to do the wrong roll. I was talking about the health roll. Uh, it's not a health roll for your sanity. So so you are conscious, but you are you are clearly shaken. Anything you try is going to be more difficult. Gotcha. Well, he's just can't freaking out. Can someone else try it? You can't. It's not working. It's not working. Yeah. Um, it's a stability test for anyone who tries. Go for so, it. I'll try it. Okay. I don't have languages, though. Do we need languages? No. Well, he has given you the information you need to get started. May, it might be wrong information. We're about to find out. <laughs> All right. I'm going to spend... And the zombies are getting closer. They're up on the shore. Six. Okay. Right. So you're really going to try this. What you got? I got a five. Five on dice. Okay. Eleven. So eleven. Once you... Uh, once you have succeeded... You, you relive the experience of being shot by Croft from the perspective of the priest. So this is that vision that the doctor had earlier. Um, at, this, at this point, the, uh, the zombies are still coming up towards the house, but the creatures that were crawling, uh, starting to crawl up behind them start to retreat back into the ocean. You've done something. The zombies are still there. So at this point, it's probably time to run away. Yeah. Um, I'll take the uh, attempts every now and then okay. to see if I can shoot a kneecap or two. Okay. So you can down. be shooting while you're running. Now, because of the rain and wind outside, as the difficulty is increased by two yeah, I for each that. ranged attack. Uh, but the only way off the island is by boat, and the, the motor launch is still at the boathouse. And there are also rowboats nearby for any suicidal or brave investigators. <laughs> so getting to the boathouse requires a fleeing test. Okay. So let's start with that. Who wants to go first? I know um, uh, the police detective doesn't flee anything. Yeah. <laughs> nope. He, I'll just, be trying he doesn't to have any points to use. He can still run. Like right. Angel will flee. Okay. However many points you have in fleeing? Okay. Is that what you use now? Uh, the first in- investigator to run... Uh, th- this is the way it works. Each person that runs, you'll be uh, seen by the zombies, and they will start coming after you. So the first one has the easiest check, and as each one runs, it gets more difficult because there are more things coming after you. 
So let's start with whoever's going first and give me a fleeing roll. I won't tell you what the difficulty is, but it's going to get dif more difficult as each person and You don't goes. spend points in this case? You can't. This is part of your general ability, so you're able to spend points to increase the roll. Okay, so I'm going to go spend three points. Okay. Eight. Eight. That you are successful. You, you get your way uh, down towards the boathouse first. Who is up next? I'll go next. All right, Mr. O'Neill. Yep. The, um, the zombies in oh, there. In their nasty rain-soaked state, are uh, kind of shambling, and most of them have pieces of themselves falling off, and it's kind of a nasty and putrid scene. The smell of the ocean is horrid. Um, I rolled, but I totally forgot to tell you my spend. Uh, you rolled. didn't tell me what the roll was, so go for it. Well, the roll was bad, but let's just do That's it again. Fine. Uh, I was going to spend. This is fleeing, right? It is fleeing. Yes. So I was going to spend uh, three of my six. Okay, go ahead and tell me what you got. Alright, so you made it. Who's up next? Oh, oh, let's try to run. Okay. I'll try to run. So I'll also spend... Good. I've got ten. You have ten in fleeing. Three? Three? Go for it. Let's try that. Why not go higher? Alright, I'll spend four then. Alright. I'm going to need to do parachutes! <laughs> to flee. Nine. Nine. Nine is successful. Nine. That lets you get past the zombies as their nasty, outstretched arms try and grab you on your way to the boathouse. Lastly is a police detective. What's he doing? I'm going to shoot. Shoot? Shoot and run or just shoot? Shoot and run. Okay. Can you use so athletics for something? Athletics is like climbing and stuff. Fleeing is getting away from monsters. Because he right says he doesn't have fleeing. Who's like, got the artifact? It's contested. This is a contest. You do. They're trying, to, the the they're trying to run okay. away. I have the artifact. Okay, we just had to confirm. Okay, okay. go ahead. Yeah, uh, I'm going to. So, so start with your um, fleeing, and then the attack. All right, uh, fleeing. I will spend my zero points to add zero to his roll. <laughs> you have zero fleeing. I rolled a one. You rolled a one. Okay. Um, the. The police detective is set upon by zombies as he discharges his weapon. Go ahead and shoot. You'll be at point-blank range now. So set done. upon. Somebody go help yes. him. Go ahead. Right. Let's see what happens. Five on the dice. I okay, beat their so that's threshold. It. Yep. And the damage is another seven. Nice. Okay. Um, now, as part of this, they, as you reach the boat ramp, they also have a chance to try and catch you. Oh, really? I just rolled three ones in a row. You were already caught, but the other zombies don't reach the boathouse before you guys can get on the launch, but the police detective is behind. He did not make it to the boat. Mike, go get him! Right. right, and I still have my pistol from earlier that I picked up on the yep. boat, so I'm right. gonna sprint out, and th is there one that has him, or? Several. Several. I'm yelling, go, go, go. Well, we're not leaving without you, Slim. First, I'm gonna try to shoot him each zombie one time and see if it gives him a chance to get away. Okay. So is that weapons, firearms, what is that? That is uh, firearms. Firearms is any ranged weapon. Weapons is when you have brass knuckles, a billy club, whatever. I have nothing in firearms, so I just okay. roll. One. And you have, and one. You have uh, the difficulty goes up by two as well, so you, you are not hit. With the, with the one, I would. You will not hit them. So several shots go wild into the wind as the... Uh, Zombies continue to pound on... Shots scare them off. They run away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, I'm just going to roll for three of them, and two of them hit, and you will take um, 
four and two. Six points of damage as the zombies continue to try and, and rip pieces off of you. We have to go help him. Um, what's, wow. what, what can I do to escape? Uh, from this point, this would be a... Um, I would call that an athletics to try and escape. Athletics are scuffling to break your way free of their grasp. Okay. I will... Um, I will spend five scuffling. Is it okay. going to be separate checks or? It'll just be one. One check. Yeah, and then I will roll for them to see if they happen to. Uh, to can I try to distract to them by showing them the artifact? Uh, you can. So that to try to give him a chance to, let's to see, break let's away. Let's see if it makes any difference for what he's doing first. So that's an eleven to scuffle. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, uh, I should have picked this ahead of time. Hey, alright, so I think we're tied on that. Really? Um, for zombies, they actually have a high scuffling, and there are three of them. These are the fast zombies. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're not necessarily fast. I know, I'm just kidding. There's just more of later. them. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, Am I showing them the artifact to help at all? Um, they do not pay any attention to you. They don't seem to care about the artifact now that you have been successful in whatever that chant was that you said. Fantastic. Yeah. Is there anything I could throw at them? Uh, there's plenty of stuff blowing around in the wind, uh, including bits of sand and uh, grass and stuff like that. There are rocks, a couple of rocks. You could probably try and throw a rock, but you know so far that these things aren't damaged by stuff like that. You really got to shoot them good like the detective was doing before that stuff happened. Do we have anything else we can shoot? I've got three more bullets. It's my turn. Now the zombies. The zombies are now starting to approach the the um, the launch where you are. They're approaching the dock. I say go one more time, and I bring the gun to my neck. No, oh. Slim. No, you Slim. can't do that. Okay. What well, I, you I guys, thought your what scuffle you was. I've got zombies now cut, cutting you off. There's no way you can get back to him without running through them. We have the artifact, right? do. You don't have it. I have it. Yeah, I'm not leaving Slim. I'm not leaving without Slim. Guys, we have to go. We can't risk. We can't risk losing this artifact. That's right. To the, she hands it to, to you. Zombies. Give me the gun. Tilly, you know what are you doing? Can't can't help going him. back. Yeah, can't help can't him. Help him. Let's go. So My she, friend. She's going back you're going to try and stop her. Alright. I'm going to grab Tilly. Let's go. Okay. He's my friend. <laughs> are you, are I'm doing you the, uh, just going to go along with the doctor? No, I'm going to gonna try to I'm gonna, gonna fight to so try we'll, to get to... We'll have a so little yeah, let's just action see, going let's on here. Let's do um, an athletics or scuffling, and it's versus. Whoever gets a higher number succeeds. Yeah! One! She, she's going to go <laughs> so save her friend. You, neither of you said you were spending points, so the no, number no, no, is no. just one and three. No, no, no. One Therefore, one. she no, got away... And she has run into the arms of several zombies in between you guys and the police detective. Um, you guys are on the motorboat. You're on the launch. What are you? What are you doing? Yeah. I mean, you're shaking. Like you're yeah. freaked yeah. out. He's on the edge. I'm man. fairly freaked out. I'm freaked okay. out. For sure. And I'm more importantly, like I don't think that we can't risk the artifact, like the going down here and leaving the artifact in this island. That's right. So who has out of the two of you who has piloting? Uh, under which skill? General? It'll be a general skill. I don't think either of us see. Okay. No, one. So neither of you can spend points on it, but somebody's got to get the boat powered up and out to sea. I started to power it up. So somebody's going to roll this and see if you can get it. Four. The, the, the uh, difficulty is four. So you're able to get the boat powered up and start heading out to sea. Now fleeing, um, let's see, 
So you have fleed. Right, you guys have successfully gotten off the island. Is there any way, can we loop, like are they near enough that we can loop around and try yeah, to pick I them mean, up? You would have anything? to go up onto the shore. You would have to beach the boat in order to get to them. Because they are currently being, well, right. devoured by something. Yeah, torn apart. I'm going to shoot her first and then shoot myself. <laughs> <laughs> I have a gun, I could shoot myself. <laughs> Us two ladies shot you. <laughs> he puts the gun to his head and goes, wait a minute. <laughs> Well, I don't trust her to hit herself, but she'd be eaten alive. <laughs> That's pretty good. All right, so as the motorboat, uh, as the launch uh, goes off into sea, headed back towards New York, um, a fire breaks out in the mansion and the, um, the fire island, the East Fire Island, a fire breaks out in the mansion. And you can see in, in the distance behind you the zombies retreating back into the sea. And that closes out the adventure. As we're driving off, uh, Doc sobs for the loss of his friends. Yeah, they didn't make it. They didn't make it. And uh, you know, one thing that's interesting is that that test to deactivate the artifact. I was surprised that you made it. You rolled very high. And at that point, it, it makes it actually stops the deep ones and they retreat back into the sea so you never actually got to the deep ones they should have made it to the house but that check worked i expected um somebody more than one person to pretty much start going insane trying to mess with the artifact but that was pretty cool you made that roll and then i died with I that, yeah. needlessly but you saved New i York. wasn't gonna mess with my i was not gonna leave without my childhood buddy from from the game mechanics perspective you deactivated the artifact um, if you had just run away and left it there, the old ones would have claimed it and retreated back into the ocean. Nice. But you would still had to run away. Um, and if you fought back, you would just end up dying. Yes, of course. Like we did. Of yeah. course. Yeah, like you did. Well, it was a combination. So, hey, that was uh, a one-shot adventure of Trail of Cthulhu. Cthulhu? Cthulhu. Um, tomato, tomato. Yeah, what do you, you guys think? I wow. enjoyed it. Um, Very I like the the mortality of it. Yes. Yeah, the purest adventure. And I, I was saying earlier, if we went on a campaign with this, that <coughs> where the uh, the doc would have suffered some uh, sanity loss, most likely, and that doesn't come back, right? And we didn't do any further rolls on this, but it could have happened. And there's, a, you know, it, it stuff sticks with you in this game. Yeah. It lasts for a while. Pretty creepy. Yeah. Yeah, think I think it'd be fun. I, I mean, I like it. I I spent a lot of time with the rule book and checking it out, and I think it's really well done. It's interesting. Um, I think it'd be fun as a uh, kind of a mini campaign to string a few yeah. of these together because I think yeah. watching the sanity rule play out over time yeah, and role playing it would be fun. Yeah. Um, like there wasn't any real danger of s- sanity or even like hardcore stability loss here because it was so, so self contained. Yeah. Right. But hey, if the listeners want us to play. Give us a comment. Leave us a comment on the, we- hey, the website. Yeah, let us know. Uh, you can leave us a comment on Facebook or adventuresfromtheshed.com. Uh, send us an email at adventuresfromtheshed at gmail.com. Yeah, and next time it would just be Kevin and me playing. Yeah. Most likely. Yeah. <laughs> 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 we need- Since we killed off. <laughs> we might have to find They're some dead. new friends. Killy. Absolutely. That's right, Kurt. I, I definitely do also. Killy. I like the mortality of the purest version of the game. You can expect that your character isn't going to last. Not and I like that idea. No, knowing ahead of time that you've got a good chance of either being insane or dead, it's pretty cool. Yeah. 
When you don't know it ahead of time and it just happens, it's not so cool. Yeah, Lovecraft and Cthulhu, you really shouldn't have a happy ending to anything. No. No. <laughs> no. This was definitely a bittersweet one where <laughs> you managed to save the day, but not without some uh, sacrifice. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of Walking Dead. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> literally. <laughs> walking literally. Dead, walking literally. Dead. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for us here on our 2016 Halloween special on Adventures from the Shed. Once again, a big thank you to our special guest, Kevin, who did not redshirt his way out of this one. <laughs> Doc Wellington made it through the adventure. Yes. All so right. You, awesome. Everybody. Everyone have a great Bye, Halloween. Bye, everyone. Absolutely. Happy Halloween. Great Halloween. Be safe. Don't eat any apples. Apples? Apples. You say with the razor apples. blades. Apples with the but razor blades. But don't eat razor blades then. Eat the apples. Yeah. Okay. Bye, Bye, everyone. Bye, Bye. everybody. The preceding podcast was brought to you by One Joe Young. You can find us online at adventuresfromtheshed.com. Boo. Happy Halloween. (laughs) Ha, ha.